0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. Uh, this is Jay. Sha-sha-sha-na-na-na.
1: Sha-sha-sha-na-na-na. I'm Shannon.
0: And we're back after a week off because both of us fucking caught COVID. Our first film back is Friday the 13th. We're still sort of coming off our spooky stacks October countdown uh we'll have some updates for that at the end because i did end up making my uh halloween three halloween x3 target Uh, but we'll get to that later cool cool so as suggested there our first picture is friday the 13th the original in the series from 1980 directed by sean s cunningham
1: this one does not have jason in it or does it
0: well, it does, sort of.
1: It, it, it definitely has him in, like, a flashback.
0: There, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's also the dream sequence slash fake-out ending. Uh, it, it's hard to say what we're supposed to make of that, because it is canonical in the series, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's shot to look like maybe it was a dream and she just imagined it, but you can't make sequels if it's just a dream. They gotta well, he, go to outer
0: space! It makes more sense if it's a dream, though. That's the weird it does. thing because yes, it, it, does. it doesn't. There, there's no reason for it to be real. No, no,
1: <laughs> no, because the the actual, uh, I guess, mystery or whatever, um the, the actual culprit just it makes enough sense on its own. It doesn't need to have an actual zombie child in the lake.
0: Well, yeah, this this isn't a supernatural movie. Uh, This is following off the heels of Halloween in a pretty big way quite obviously but this one kind of refines the formula I mean the slasher film was not really a thing yet this was like one of the other major steps towards it from Halloween obviously Mm -hmm. and uh, like. I, I think one of the interesting things is like you know the slasher genre didn't exist because like the, even the concept slasher was not a thing. This was called a body count film at the time. Oh really? I didn't know that. It's mainly like this is the movie that created the concept because the trailer was just all of the kills with numbers accounting <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. How many? Oh, how many are in this? Probably like
0: I'm six not or seven. There. Yeah. Well, uh, cool, because there's the two at the start as well, and then oh, all the yeah, later right. ones, and I think they consider Jason to be one of the numbers, and then, you know, uh, Mrs. Voorhees as well. I, I think they count all of them. I, I okay, so maybe
1: it's closer to, it's around 10-ish.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's upwards of 13. Yeah, it could be, could be. But this does a lot of stuff with the slasher or the body count film. I think one of the really big things, as you sort of alluded to, is the Harry Manfredini score. Just super iconic.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually, um, well, not that iconic to me because I hadn't seen a whole lot of Jason movies. Uh, I only ever saw the 2009 one when we did it way back like 20 million years ago. And then Jason takes a boat to Manhattan. Uh, It was the only other one I saw.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the score is so incredibly heavily copied. (laughs) I mean, you've heard versions of this score or like the the killer of sound effects, like the breathing thing. It's so heavily done. Mm -hmm. Very, very widely used. Uh, Even better is when they do it in a disco version for number three. (laughs) The 3D one.
1: Oh, the 3D one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So this opens in 1958 at Camp Crystal Lake. Great location, Camp Crystal Lake.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh just isolated enough. We know it's what, about twenty miles out of town, I think?
0: Something like that. I mean it's it's in Jersey. Uh just the the, the New Jersey woods, maybe Pine Barrens era area. Okay. And we, we have our start with the wholesome 50s camp counselors.
1: <laughs> well, not that
0: wholesome. They seem very wholesome, though, and I think it's playing into how wholesome they seem at the beginning, because they're all singing along to Christian folk music, mm. you know, strumming the guitar.
1: Yeah, they might as well be doing, like, their their kumbayas or whatever.
0: They are! That's what they're doing!
1: Kumbaya! Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're doing! Oh, it, it was the actual kumbaya song?
0: So two of them sneak away to the attic uh, for makeouts, obviously.
1: Of course, of course. Everybody's favorite thing to do is uh, neglect their duties while Jason Voorhees drowns in a lake.
0: So So, to that end, I feel like, and and we'll, we'll sort of get into this over this, but I feel that the demonization of sex, and it's something that sort of recurs in these movies and is referred back to in later entries as being a thing. I think that. The demonization of sex is not the POV of the movie, but part of the killer's POV. And oh, And yeah. this is a killer POV movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense for why the killer would be... Lit. This is like the original Death to All Teenagers Who Fuck movie.
0: Right, and it's completely textual for the killer.
1: For the It makes sense for the killer. Whereas, and in Halloween, it makes sense that the only one who... Um, who survives as one who doesn't have sex is because she's not distracted. Not because yeah, she, like,
0: she's paying attention.
1: Yeah. Not because she's like inherently better because she doesn't have sex, but it kind of, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like the genre kind of evolved into that.
0: Yeah. And it was never really intended. It just kind of worked because of those were who the villains were. The villains were anti-sex. And then the genre got this weird reputation for being anti-sex, which is weird. Mm hmm. Uh, and especially with the Friday the 13th series, because it sort of embraces it in later ones with, like, characters <laughs> joking about it. but And then you look, look back and it's like, that's never been what this series was like. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have a POV stalking scene right here at the beginning with these two people up in the attic making out. Uh, and it's the main way we see the killer through the entire movie is the POV, which is very yellow.
1: Yeah, actually, when you mentioned it, uh, this totally kind of feels like an American giallo. Um, You never see, you don't just not see the killer's face, you never see any part of the killer
0: until the end. Yeah, and I mean, that got copied a fair amount in stuff, but... Uh, like, th- this is, this one definitely feels like it's directly trying to do sort of a giallo thing. Like, it, it comes from that tradition. Uh, I think director Sean Cunningham was trying to do kind of a riff on that, uh, as well as kind of build on the Halloween thing, but make it more of a popcorn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, the idea of the POV in this is mainly so that they can preserve the mystery. Uh, right. Which, of course, never becomes... Or is never an issue in future ones, except one but nope. that sounds bad. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because because it's a history, but because I also know it's a Friday the 13th movie, the whole time I'm like, uh-oh, Jason's going to get—wait, it's not Jason. So every time the killer's doing stuff, I have to think to myself, it's not Jason. It's not Jason. Jason's not the one who's going to get you. The killer could be anyone. Because, of course, back when this was made, well, uh... the killer could be anyone.
0: Right. Well, I, I think that's a really interesting element of this is, the, or the series as a whole, that the POV stalking becomes like a signature element of the series, and it's what, it's how they portray Jason as well. It's how you portray him moving around in the shadows, but it's here just because it's a mystery. But mm. even though it's not a mystery in the future ones, they still keep it as an aesthetic because it just becomes the style.
1: Oh, it works. <laughs> it oh, it's works great. really well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a great signature for a series to have. Uh-huh. So, Mrs. Voorhees to begin with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, it's not a spoiler to say that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. I mean, it's you know, it's the first it, it's plot point in Scream. It's known. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows. I I find Mrs. Voorhees a very interesting killer. Like uh, Mrs. Voorhees is pretty unique in the annals of slasherdom.
1: Yeah, she's got like. A fake imaginary jason living in her brain not like literally but she's got like this like split personality i think like her psyche is fractured by the death of her child so much that yeah she's created this little jason in her or she's she's hallucinating jason or something like that
0: she's kind of created jason as a tulpa
1: yeah, that's like, oh god, that's the word. Yes, thank
0: you. Uh, and it it sort of escapes from her at the end. Uh but uh so I, I do find it interesting though, like going back to the demonization of sex thing, like she is a single mom with a special needs child. Oh, and is he special needs? Yes. Uh it's okay. it's not it's not explicitly said, but there is one point where she says, they should have been watching him. He was special (laughs) oh
1: yeah okay okay she she pauses and like he
0: or no he wasn't a very good swimmer
1: that's what Uh, it was yeah she pauses and he
0: wasn't wasn't a good swimmer swimmer. yeah that's what it is but but i think with her being a single mom with the special needs child the dad has just gone off somewhere i think the demonization of sex was already there
1: oh probably actually yeah what is (laughs) Who or what is Mr. Voorhees? Good what did he do? Do we ever find out?
0: Never mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I think in fucking Jason Goes to Hell, uh, the final Friday, <laughs> uh, there's the thing where he's a a worm, a bur a butt worm that. <laughs> oh yeah, is. right. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it, but. I prefer to consider that non-canonical. I just assume that, you know, they probably did not have a good relationship. And it's kind of what started her on the path towards already being maybe not in a good mental place when Jason died.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, well, we see we find out she was there, too. She could have done things.
0: Exactly. This is always the biggest sticking point for me is the oh, they must have been having sex instead of watching Jason but where was she
1: (laughs) she's working the kitchens man she She got got to get those orders
0: but like we know or or, we we should assume from context that she heard him drowning because we always have her flashing back to hearing him calling her name and stuff i mean maybe that's fantasy but
1: maybe but it (sighs) could also be like well she was there someone else should be doing surely the counts, the camp counselors are watching
0: after jason yeah, I mean, it's not my job at the camp. Uh, I'm quiet it, quitting. Right. And it's her job as a human being. It's her job <laughs> as a mother. But, you know, it's not her job at the camp. So she's just like, well, I'll delegate that to the people whose job that is here. But, you know.
2: Hope they, they're not having
0: sex. Hope they're not having sex. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe they he, We we have no real idea of the context except through her. So. The whole thing that like, oh, they they were having sex instead of paying attention to him just seems like her creation from whole cloth.
1: That's a good point. Do we we because we don't see we don't see the counselors when he drowns ever. We don't know that they're having sex.
0: No. The only thing we know is that she seems to have heard it and that he drowned at some point. And we don't really know any of the other circumstances. Yeah. So hmm. I, I think that's really interesting that. We really only have her as this unreliable narrator for the whole culminating or the 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 uh, event that kicks off all of this bloodshed. She's the only uh, resource we have on it.
1: Yeah, otherwise we just get people who are like, oh, you heard a boy drowned in the lake there, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah there's That's this folklore.
1: Yeah, 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 folklore, not actual um... – yeah, so we don't know that anyone was having sex. We don't know that anyone wasn't watching
0: him. No, and and that's what. Well, I mean, he wasn't being watched, obviously. He, well, he yeah, did okay, get out in wasn't. the water and drown. So <laughs> he, someone yeah. did fall down on the job a little bit, to some extent, for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, but maybe it really was her, and she's just projecting
0: all of this. Yeah, and I mean, it could. It, it's it's absolutely possible that it could be an accident. You know, kids drown yeah. at summer camp sometime. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, that's that's sadly maybe, a thing that yeah. happens. Yeah. So. She she goes after these first two kids in the 50s in the prequel or uh, uh, pre-credit sequence. And notably, when she comes up the stairs and we see the killer POV approach them, they're not scared of her.
1: Yeah, that's that's another interesting thing. Anytime somebody sees her, uh, they're just like, oh, hey, what are you doing here?
0: Yeah, because uh, well, in in especially in this case, because they know her.
1: Yeah, they know her. She works there.
0: She works there. She's she's the kitchen lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so you know, she stabs these two killers, and the logo comes smashing through the screen like glass, <laughs> which is so cool. Uh, really great, impactful title. Mm-hmm. Like 3D was obviously a natural for this series. Oh, totally, totally. So I, I would say the most important name in these credits, I mean, obviously, Kevin Bacon is the most famous name, mm-hmm. but the most important name in these credits, Tom Savini. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, He's the effects finite. guy. Oh, yeah. Tom right. Savini is our makeup effects man. And this this is sort of his first really big signature work after Dawn of the Dead. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, Dawn of the Dead was two years before, maybe one year before i think it's two i think it's 78 i should know it's like my favorite movie (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean he does so much for this movie the kill effects are astonishing like they, they they really elevate the the character of this movie
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially oh my god the the one uh through through under the from under the bed that one
0: <laughs> it's yeah. so ridiculous. I love it. We'll we'll have to get into the logistics of that one when we get there. Oh, I want to. <laughs>
1: it's it's so hard to do.
0: It's it's literally impossible. Like she she had to have like stretch Armstrong like arms. <laughs> oh my god, yes. So we start, or we we jump to Friday, June thirteenth, the present. So this takes place all on one day.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It does, too. Everybody's just showing up, and then it's, yeah, it's just one night, kind of like a lot like Halloween. It's just the daytime to get everyone in place, and then yeah. the nighttime for the carnage.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, honestly. Uh, I, I always forget that it's all just taking place over the course of a single day when I watch this movie. I come back, and I was like, oh, yeah, it is Friday the 13th when this starts. Yep. So we meet our first victim, Annie, who's walking into town, and she's quite likable friendly. hmm I think that's one of the real key things about this movie is that all of the camp counselors are pretty likable and realistic and they're not annoying deadmates.
1: No, they're just a little... Well, the one guy, yeah, but, you know, he's not annoying
0: <laughs> enough. Well, he's a pro... I, I mean, I, I know exactly who you mean, the practical joker guy. Uh,
1: they he, always have one.
0: Ned. Yeah, Ned yeah. is uh he, he he loves his jokes as far as those guys go he's not the worst like there's definitely worse versions of him to come the the oh, classic is sure. shelley <laughs> shelley in oh, i think it's shelley in 4 shelley is the like he he's a guy who likes to wear masks and prank people and pretend that he's been killed which you know oh, you know how that's going to work course. out of, yeah.
1: of course and there's always yeah, you always have your guys like, ah, "I've been killed by Jason." Ha ha, I haven't been killed by Jason.
0: Like, oh, oh no, guys, I help really me.
1: <laughs> For real this time. You heard about the boy who cried, "I've been killed by Jason?"
0: I mean, anyone who's seen one of these movies has cuz it happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, Annie comes into town. Uh I don't know. I can't remember what the name of the actual town is uh outside of Crystal Lake. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't remember. I'm not even sure if they say. But she goes to the drugstore, uh, and everybody's super unwelcoming.
1: Yeah, they're... I like that they they take a few... like a second or two to decide whether or not they're going to take too kindly to strangers in these parts.
0: Yeah. And they they refer to it as being Camp Blood. So we already have the Camp Blood nickname right here from the beginning. Uh, they and just...
1: Cannot believe that somebody's actually trying to open that
0: place. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm i sort of with them to some extent. It does oh, yeah, seem kind sure. of strange.
1: It's uh, like, well, they're just incredulous. Like, why has this guy spent all this money on this place? It wasn't even a good camp to begin with.
0: Yeah, it's been 22 years, I guess. No, 21, because I think this is supposed to be set in the summer of 79. Okay. I think you see, like, some calendars in the background somewhere. Right. Or actually, hmm, I feel like at some point you see a gravestone for Mrs. Voorhees that says death, date of death in 79 or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> in one of the sequels. Oh, but, okay. So, yeah, they, they talk about how there have been other issues with the camp, like uh, the water was bad a couple years before, or, like, there there is... Which I I don't know what they mean by the water was
1: bad. Yeah, what <laughs> what happens in it's that a lake? Just <laughs> Mrs. Voorhees just drink a lot of uh, just just take a big pee in the lake.
0: I mean, like maybe poison stuff, maybe put something in the water. I mean, it, it, there's yeah, there's this stuff about starting fires and uh, like causing general mayhem to keep it from being reopened. And her purpose does seem to just be keeping the camp closed to save future kids from potential drowning in the lake
1: you know it's kind of vulnerable i guess you know
0: if she went about it in a different way
1: yeah if she didn't take it so far maybe
0: no but we do have like it's it really is just the two kids were killed and the camp was closed down and it's never reopened which I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't happen. I I feel like they would just reopen the next summer. Yeah, yeah. Like they, it wasn't kids; they were counselors. And yeah, it's kind of fucked up. And they never caught the person, obviously, because hmm. you know, they're cause still this... running around now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I, th- these things happen, in, especially yeah. in this period in America. This is where the serial killers were starting to pop up.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I'm I'm sure it would actually be just a. Well, it was a real unfortunate incident, but we can't allow this to to help us or to get in the way of camping children.
0: Well, I mean up until uh, maybe even the aughts. I like I still remember summer camps being a pretty big business up until the 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, it was it was a big deal. It, it was it was what kids did in the summer. You sent them away to camps, so you didn't have to deal with them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like that Simpsons episode. They send Bart to Cam Krusty and Homer's like lost 20 pounds and sprouted two new hairs.
0: <laughs> and they're listening to Ravi Shankar. Yeah. <laughs> so she she talks to the people at the drugstore and they're unhelpful. But there's this guy, Amos, who drives an oil truck and he gives her a ride, gives her a little lift. But he's a creep. Is, is he? That's not I don't know if I really got the creep vibe from him. I just find that he, he he seems kind of creep to me like when, when he's talking to her uh, he, he just seems a little leery I don't know There there's something that just seems off but he also does seem to be trying to scare her off like they all are oh yeah. And first yeah. they run into Crazy Ralph, who is one of the greatest <laughs> characters in this series.
1: Yeah, he's all like, I've been sent by God to warn you about the place, how it's cursed. You'll we'll they every... come
0: back again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how I love how every other character is like, don't you listen to Crazy Ralph? He's crazy. Oh, so what do you mean? There's no curse at the camp? Oh, no, there is definitely a curse. But Ralph is crazy. Don't listen to him.
0: Yeah, I don't get that because... We, we have this bit with Ralph where, you know, he does his troll face and he says, it's got a death curse. And then he hops on his bike and pedals away comically. I love that. that oh, my
1: funny. God. He's so uh, I, I love the color, like the colorful characters you can get when uh, when you're creating your somebody to warn people away from the the uh, location characters. You he's can just perfect go. One. He's a good one.
0: I think he's the definitive one. Crazy yeah. Ralph, man. And he comes <laughs> back in the second one, too. Oh, nice. But yeah, it's got a death curse. I I like the way he says it has always stuck in my mind. It's just <laughs> such a strange delivery.
1: It really is.
0: And just that he immediately hops on his bicycle and rides away. It's so funny.
1: Yeah, just like this like awkward little ride, too. Like he's not he never really feels like he's good on a bicycle.
0: Yeah, and then so Amos. Seeing that is like, oh, you don't need to listen to Crazy Ralph. And then immediately is like, but you should listen to Crazy Ralph because this is all true. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> so don't to listen the to backstory. Crazy
1: Ralph about the about the death curse. Listen to Crazy Amos about the death curse.
0: Yeah. Quit. Quit your yeah. job. Right. And it's like, well, isn't that what Crazy Ralph just said? Are Are you not just echoing what Crazy Ralph said? Why do you call him crazy exactly?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like... He's just saying they all agree with him.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) Amos provides a bunch of backstory. So we've got Steve Christie is the guy who's reopening the camp.
1: Uh, He reminds me of Tobias Fugue with hair.
0: I could see that. He's a little more rugged, I think. A little more. (laughs) A little more.
1: Uh, No, yeah, yeah, he, he chops wood. Tobias doesn't chop wood.
0: Right. And he feels that the, or Amos says the place is jinxed and it shouldn't have been reopened. And he's the one who lists off the stuff that's happened. So, boy drowned, 57, is Jason. Two kids Uh, murdered, 58. Two kids in 58. Fires and bad water in 62. So, just bad water is all he says. I wonder if it's supposed to be that, uh, Voorhees, Mrs. Voorhees, poisoned the water to keep it from being used
1: that i feel like that's what they're implying that's
0: interesting
1: but I, never really but referred nothing, to be on this no no not at all uh, she doesn't talk about it
0: because this is sort of the only one that's really interested in the past because any of the other ones when you start delving into jason's past you <laughs> kind of have to answer some really difficult questions so they just <laughs> drop it all together
1: <laughs> yeah like why is he suddenly seven feet tall and yeah
0: why is he suddenly a giant hulking beast man? Yeah, I don't know. Because he sure isn't at the end of this movie. No! No. And number two happens one year later, I believe. <laughs> no, I think it's... I, there's so many time jumps in this series. I think two might actually take place like a decade later or <laughs> some bullshit.
1: Or later the same day. Who knows?
0: Uh, two... Oh, Oh. I should know because I rewatched them all a few months back and there are a couple time jumps in these, but like I think two through four all take place over the course of two weeks or oh, something wow. like that. So just the the sheer body count that Jason puts down in his first couple weeks in non existence, whatever, uh, is staggering. It's very impressive.
1: Maybe maybe the whole thing in this was actually a blood ritual to summon giant super zombie Jason.
0: Maybe and it's
1: just never been mentioned. Uh, kind of like how in the Halloween sequels, it's never mentioned. Or in the first Halloween, is never mentioned that Michael Myers is the result of druid
0: magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes I, I I feel that anything after Halloween one is non canon. So yeah. Uh, doesn't
1: count <laughs> I was about to say Halloween 3 But Halloween 1 is a movie Within Halloween 3 so
0: That's true that, yeah. So Annie ultimately just laughs off Amos' stuff It's like, you're just afraid of ghosts <laughs> <laughs> Basically And that's fair Yeah. There, there, have, there has not been a murder here In 20 years I mean yeah, I, I would feel pretty safe
1: Yeah, and the bad water thing was like 16 years ago
0: yeah, 16 or 17 at least.
1: And, you know, Steve Christie has been working hard to get this camp up and running, so I'm sure it's fine.
0: In theory. I mean, In Steve theory. Christie, I kind of feel bad for the guy because he was making a real effort, although he's kind of a gross dude, too. So <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah. He is dating one of his counselors, which is not great. Uh, and he's kind of creepy about it, too. He's really creepy about it, quite honestly. Uh, yeah. uh, she is an interesting character. We'll, we'll get to her shortly. So uh, she's dropped off at a cemetery, notably. <laughs> of course. before we cut to meet the rest of the campers. Our, our first three uh, driving up. mostly most importantly, we've got Kevin Bacon in his debut role.
1: So oh, this is his first one.
0: First ever. So uh, they they drive up and we see Steve Christie chopping wood, shirtless. He's trying to remove a trying stump. Trying to
1: impress, uh, oh, yeah, he's got like his uh, cut off jeans. That that's what really made uh, me, the jean cut-off, Yes, a, yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: and the mustache and the glasses. It's
0: true. It's true. He, yeah, he does kind of have a, a, a sartorial sense similar to Tobias.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: Uh, but yeah, he, he's he's. You know trying to demolish a stump and you know he, he gets them all to immediately get working they they get you, or you get the impression right away that all of them are like oh man this is actually going to be a lot more work than we expected this kind of <laughs> yeah. things
1: oh yeah they they clearly they clearly showed up expecting uh this to just be party time
0: oh a cushy summer job you're gonna be yeah. a camp counselor and taking care of kids you're not supposed to be like removing stumps and doing landscaping work.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh but Steve Christie just went and saved everything to the last minute apparently or was trying to do everything by himself up till now.
0: I think it's that. It's just him and Alice there prior to this. Yeah. So Alice is the next person we meet who also works there and they have a weird relationship.
1: <laughs> they do. Like this is like one of the first human interactions that isn't just trying to warn people off. And I was like, these people are behaving like aliens.
2: Yeah.
0: They're, they're very strange to each other. And like, she's, she's, she's an artist and she, I guess we're supposed to, he suggests that she has an artistic temperament, but, I don't know. It seems like she's trying to wind up her relationship with him. Like, the impression that I get immediately from the very first time we see them talk to each other is he's still in the relationship. And she's like, I'm kind of moving out of it because people my age are showing up and the summer's going to wind down and I'm leaving. here, not dealing with you anymore. You're my <laughs> boss. You're older <laughs> than me.
1: That Yeah, that is definitely the feeling I got that she is... That she's done and he's not
0: Like she doesn't even seem to want to stay For the camp She She's saying I think I'm going to get at her And it's like just give me a week Please Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah basically
0: And it, it isn't even a thing like give the relationship a week I think it's just like please I really need you here Because we're so short staffed
1: <laughs> Nobody wants to work At Camp blood <sighs>
0: <laughs> I mean fair enough
1: yeah, a, I, I don't want to work at Camp Blood.
0: So the new counselors who have arrived, we've got Ned, who is our Joker. Or practical Joker, I should say, not the Joker. Mm-hmm. Jack. Jack Bernard is Kevin Bacon's character. Okay, yeah. And his girlfriend is Marcy.
1: Yeah, I would never learned any of their names.
0: I, I've watched this movie a billion <laughs> times. So... There's also a guy named Bill who's supposed to be off painting the dock somewhere, and they're like, "Oh, our, our cook Annie hasn't showed up."
1: Yeah, well, we, we don't know
0: what's happened to her of, quite yet.
1: Last we saw her, she was kind of hitchhiking. She's sort of kind of hitchhiking.
0: Right. So we know she's theoretically on the way, and there's theoretically, and there's Brenda somewhere who is setting up the archery range at the moment. So those are all our. That, that's all the counselors. Not a big cast. Not really, no,
1: no, because uh, and <laughs> they're all gonna be dead.
0: Uh yeah, yeah, one. yeah. We'll we'll have a final girl, and it's already kind of obvious who it is if you've seen this kind of movie. Although, if yeah, I mean, going into this movie the first time, yeah, it might have been harder to say.
1: Yeah, I would have thought the final girl would have been the one. Uh, no, what's her name? Annie.
0: Annie, the first one we meet.
1: Yeah, because usually that's how it is.
0: Yeah, kind of.
1: But the the other girl, uh,
0: the other
1: one's Alice. Oh yeah. gosh, they, Alice. they start with the same letter. Well, well, I'll Alice, never get
0: it. The one who's in the weird relationship with Steve Christie is our final girl, which is an interesting element because we know she has some sort of sexual relationship. We see her smoking weed later; like she's doing these things that you're not supposed to do as a final girl, and right, she right. still survives because. It's not about those things. Like, it's never uh-huh. been about those things. It's just that's kind of been wed into the series without it ever actually being a part of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it's only because this one particular killer has a problem with sex that yeah. how the entire genre does.
0: Right, and because uh, it's really not a thing with Michael Myers, uh, I and mean, it's really, really not a thing with later Michael Myers, and, I mean, Freddie... <laughs> I, Freddy's, uh, Freddy... Freddy is a child molester, so I mean, yeah. the, the sex thing is just totally extraneous. He's just yeah, yeah, out to kill it's... anyone who lives in that area. Mm-hmm. So, Ned, we get introduced to being an annoying practical joker where, where he goes to the archery range where Brenda. Oh my is.
1: god, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that is so <laughs> stupid what he does here.
0: Absurdly dangerous. He fires an arrow at very close to her
1: super close to her i'm like dude there's no way that you're good enough at archery to justify being able to try this
0: yeah and like she is momentarily like you jerk and then laughs it off like i wouldn't laugh it off like hey don't fucking do that are you insane
1: yeah like that that kind of shit will get you that kind of shit will get you instantly kicked off a range.
0: Yeah, that is not funny, dude. No. That's not
1: cool. You gotta there are rules and they're there for a reason.
0: But I I guess part of it is just it's there to have a fake scare. But they don't play it as a jump scare the way it totally would be if this came out ten years later. Mm -hmm. Like it would just be a loud shock moment, and you'd think, oh god, it's the killer, and then of course it isn't. Yeah. But where is Annie and the killer? uh we we cut to Annie being picked up by a green jeep.
1: Oh, so I think it's really cool that the killer has a jeep and so does Steve Christie.
0: Yes. Uh although his is a different color.
1: But at nighttime you can't but at tell. At nighttime
0: you can't tell, exactly. I could,
1: I think that's a really neat detail that nobody Super ever cool. actually like overtly talks about, but it does come up and yeah.
0: Right. It's it's meant to mislead the audience rather than mislead anyone in the cast which is mm-hmm. just kind of an interesting concept
1: yeah and, and like the camera work is so good because at no point on any of the interior or exterior shots of the jeep do we see anybody like in the driver's seat right They're always obscured
0: yeah and and it, we're mostly still getting killer pov like yeah. Annie gets picked up by a killer pov and it's like oh no this isn't good yeah she- <laughs>
1: And uh, interestingly, like like you brought it up before, she doesn't seem the her guard is completely down. She is not the slightest bit afraid of this person in a jeep who, up until now, I was imagining they probably looked creepy.
0: Right. And it, it, it makes perfect sense when you know that it's Mrs. Voorhees, you know, yeah, she, she, this nice looking middle aged lady really in a cable just knit sweater sweet
1: little old lady. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's one of the funniest things for me watching this movie, having seen it 50 billion times, <laughs> always like being able to picture you know, Betsy Palmer in her cable knit blue sweater chasing people down with a knife. Like it makes it 80 percent funnier <laughs> to watch this movie. It
1: super does. Because, like, even though I know it's not Jason, I'm, like, just picturing my mind just fills in Jason. Like right. With the hockey mask and everything.
0: And absolutely. The first him. time I saw it, that was the same. And then, like, the first five or six times. But then, like, when I've gotten it a bunch of times, like, it's really funny to think she's just being chased around by Betsy Palmer.
1: Yeah. But it makes perfect sense, like, here, why she'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm perfectly calm and capable of getting into this Jeep with this nice old lady.
0: Yeah, I mean, she got in a jeep with uh, Amos, and he is yeah. weird. He he was a little <laughs> creepier.
1: He's a little creepier than uh, yeah, than Mrs. Voorhees.
0: Or is she? <laughs> or is he? So one of the things that has always stuck in my craw that Annie says, and it's just a minor thing, but she says she she says the word childrens like I hate when people call them kids, but like in the previous scene, she calls them kids. I'll be taking care of twenty kids. <laughs> Or I'll be cooking for 20 kids. Yeah. She used the word herself in the previous scene. It's like, nah, shut up. <laughs> I, I don't,
1: yeah, I don't get it.
0: I, I, it's again, it's one of those things that I've noticed from watching it too many times. Just really bugs me every time. It's like, <laughs> you said kids in the previous scene. I know that's coming up. Well,
1: you know, maybe because maybe she's trying to sound sophisticated for the middle-aged mom lady.
0: I guess so. Could be. So she gets nervous when they pass the camp. They they pass the turn off It's like uh hey Are, are we gonna stop And this is where he just starts speeding up mm-hmm. So uh, the first Real scare moment in it uh, and, and the first like proper Kill in the movie because Annie Ultimately jumps out of the moving vehicle And runs Yeah, But she injures her knee uh, Rolling out of the vehicle Because
1: rolling out of a vehicle Is super dangerous
0: oh, Incredibly dangerous and, like, they're in the woods. They're far from anything. Mm-hmm. So, again, uh, POV, hunting, uh, very Giallo-esque. Uh, we, we just, like, there's a knife. Uh, she's just being chased by this lady in a cable net sweater in this beautiful <laughs> green forest.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I like it because it reminds me, it kind of reminds me of the Evil Dead, how the camera is the mm. killer for most of this movie
0: right and i i would have to assume that evil dead took some inspiration from this as well oh
1: yeah this came out first didn't it
0: yeah i think this is one year before and this okay, was yeah. a sensation like this was a gigantic success this made back like it cost less than a million dollars and it made 60 million dollars
1: holy shit right. uh, it's, it's amazing that it, this is the franchise that eventually has them go into hell and outer space
0: (laughs) it's absurd
1: (laughs) (laughs) this down-to-earth like campground slasher
0: yeah and it's it's one of the most down-to-earth
1: yeah like you you had compared it to like a a blood rage and silent night deadly night rather rather than say any future jason movies and yeah that that's much more apt it's got a lot more in common with those than uh than the later uh friday like the later friday
0: the 13th i've seen oh absolutely so uh i one of the things just the the forest the the atmosphere of this the the summer camp like one of the things that makes these movies so hugely rewatchable for me is just their setting is so comfortable Mm-hmm. like uh the, just the green of the forest like i could i i like being in this area you know uh <laughs> even though it's 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 like we were talking about with 2001 uh how it's a perilous situation but man it's cozy <laughs>
1: right yeah like uh i i'd go to this camp if you know it didn't have a death curse and they actually got everything all up and running on time
0: sure I mean, like later on, they do start opening the camp regularly, even though they're having much more killings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the politics of the area must change quickly.
1: <laughs> well, you know, maybe uh, maybe Steve Christie's brother, Chris Christie, has been in charge of opening the camp. What state what? is he? You know what? I don't.
0: He might be in New Jersey. Guy, he might actually. be that might be correct. I'm not sure. So Annie's throat is slashed. Very good effect. Very quick. Uh, And back at camp, we see them setting up the docks and they're being watched by someone POV in the tree line.
1: I I also like this shot because it's like um, you can see just how easily somebody can get this close to these people while still being unseen.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so many trees around. It's very easy to just blend into the woods. Especially for someone who has been living there for 25 years and knows it very well.
1: You think Mrs. Voorhees has been living at the campsite the whole time? Or does she have, like, a little s- suburban house somewhere?
0: I definitely think she just lives nearby, but she probably spends a lot of time in the area, just making sure people aren't doing anything around here.
1: Yeah, I, I never thought about it, but yeah, I bet she has, like, I bet she, like, lives in the attic of one of the cabins.
0: I would assume that she has a house in like near t- like sort of in town or whatever but she spends most of her time around here and like definitely she used to work here. Oh yeah. It's like I I don't know where she works now. She you know she's doing well enough that she's got a new Jeep.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, she she must have a job. Maybe yeah. she actually works at the camp still. She actually works for Mr. Christie.
0: She can't though because uh she was the cook and Annie was going and to be the cook. the cook So
1: Maybe it's interesting that's the
0: first cook. person she takes out uh, Maybe she was
1: Cooks don't save Jason, I should know
0: Yeah, that's weird You should have been watching him I should have been watching him, I'm going to get you Yeah, uh, yeah. weird yeah, But yeah. I the, the, the sequence of them Or of her watching them In the POV shots from the tree line Are probably some of the most creepy moments in the movie
2: Oh yeah, yeah
0: there's a real, just chilling nature to it—the the way that someone does notice that she's watching, and it's like, "Hey, what's that?" And you're like, uh, maybe, uh, I, maybe I'm just making, maybe I'm uh, not noticing anything. I don't know, right?" Yeah, it's, yeah, it's,
1: maybe it's nothing.
0: Yeah, easy to dismiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's Brenda who sees her for just a second, but then of course she's distracted by Ned doing a Ned thing oh i'm
1: drowning i'm ned and i'm drowning <laughs> it's funny
0: yeah he does a fake drowning oh it's horse play blah blah, blah, blah. they're marked for death by pov basically for doing oh. this like ned is the cause
1: oh yes for sure although you'd think that uh that you know she'd be like oh well these people can't be all bad they save drowning people
0: yeah it was
1: fake, but though. she's also nuts
0: And also, Ned was faking, and Ned is one of the counselors, so that Ned is doing this horseplay. I mean, the horseplay is what marks them for death.
1: Good point, good point. It's like, (laughs) hey, don't make fun. My son actually did die of drowning in this very lake.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's that, too. You could just be truly offended that they're pretend drowning in this lake, where one of the most famous things that ever happened here was her son dying and drowning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, They they even know the story too
0: Yeah, they totally all do Also, uh, corollary to it, but uh, Kevin Bacon in tight speedos, check out Kevin's Bacon, god damn (laughs) (laughs) So they go back into camp, there's the Very regrettable scene with the snake Oh, yeah Always my least favorite Thing in the movie, where uh, they find A (sighs) snake in the In one of the camps, or in one of the Cabins, and like, kill it for real with a machete.
1: So oh, so oh that was a real snake that got real killed?
0: Yes, it was a real snake kill by Bacon, I believe. Oh, jeez. Or, or was it Ned? It's one of the two. I don't remember. Or maybe it could even be Bill. There's, there's the three guys. They're all just, you know, doing their stuff.
2: Yeah, no,
1: I didn't like it. I was like, this looks like did they actually kill us because it, it looks like they would have actually killed a snake there too and, so i was yep, it,
0: it is real yeah
1: i made a note to ask
0: yeah no that that one is totally real uh very unfortunate I, like
1: yeah you know, i'm not into that
0: it, i i don't care for that but uh very common in movies in this era like i've seen another movie in the past week which has a lot of snake death in it right right so next thing that happens is Detective Dorf shows up. <laughs> he's weird. <laughs> yes, he is. Very strange performance by this character. Yeah. He's he's looking for Crazy Ralph because yeah. you know he he biked off somewhere to cause mayhem, and uh, Ned is very embarrassing in this scene.
2: <laughs> oh
1: God! He You're doing his uh, very insensitive Native American impression.
0: Yeah, he's got on a headdress that he's found somewhere in the camp, I guess, and he shows up whooping, uh, and Dorf is a silly character. He's heightened, and even he just kind of looks at him and gives him just this withering look.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like,
0: fuck off, you stupid kid. ah, you suck, you kids. Uh, But yeah, watch out for Ralph, and they go into the kitchen, and Ralph is in the pantry hiding.
1: (laughs) I wonder how long he's been there. It's like, I know what I'll do. Uh, I'll, I'll teach them that the camp is scary by hiding in the pantry. Uh, I've been here an awful long time. Yeah. When are they going to come into the kitchen? I'm
0: hungry. I mean, I'm in the pantry. Yeah, there's there's plenty of food to eat. It's a good place for him to wait. So he <laughs> says here that uh, he says I'm the messenger of God. You're doomed <laughs> if you stay here. You're doomed. <laughs> Yeah, you know, his trademark, you're all doomed and You're all doomed. And again, hops on a bike pedals <laughs> away. Fun yeah. enough time. I I, I kinda <laughs> wish he returned for all of the Friday the thirteenth. It's too bad he's only in the first two. He is of course killed off in two.
1: Oh, really? I want I mean, to see him go into outer space just <laughs> floating by in like a spacesuit. You're doomed.
0: So one of the other things they establish early on here is that the generator is, that there, that there is a generator and that the electricity is bad. Like, just right. really bad connection. You're probably going to need the generator, even without killers cutting the power. Mm-hmm. There, There's a really interesting moment where we see uh, Jack, you know, Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend Marcy making out. And there's like creeper pov of it and it pulls back and it's ned
1: oh yeah so that's that's another thing i like about the the camera pov shots because sometimes the camera moves like the killers following them but it's just the camera itself being creepy Mm -hmm. they're not really being stalked at this time so it keeps you guessing
0: right and sometimes it's just atmosphere like you'll see the camera sort of seeming to be a pov shot but it's just you know it, it's yeah. just the camera shot it's a handheld shot mm-hmm. uh, it, it keeps you on your feet
1: yeah uh, i really i really like the camera work in this movie i got to say it does a lot to make to make this little old lady seem like a terrifying
0: force totally it was like super innovative in that regard like that's one of the most influential elements of this movie is the pov stalking even though you know obviously it's borrowed from the giallo it kind of really Uh, was one of the main elements that kind of set the slasher genre moving
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so uh ned goes into this creepy isolated cabin which is sort of the death cabin we see like a few people (laughs) go there and die oh yes (laughs) i i think my my biggest beef with the movie other than the snake thing is that we are robbed of seeing ned actually get killed
1: that's true we only ever see his body
0: yeah it happens here but we don't we don't know like we, we just later find his body.
1: Uh-huh. Doesn't he like doesn't he see her here? I think he's like kind of like, hey, what are you doing here?
0: Um, I Or is that later? No, I think he just goes into the cabin and that's the last we see of him.
1: Oh, OK, OK. Oh, darn. Yeah, we
0: because I think he saw something or maybe saw a movement like went to go wander into the cabin because, you know, they were making out and he was perving on them and felt weird about it and it was yeah you know right and so we see him go in there and then outside the two of them as he's obviously being killed although we don't know it quite yet yeah uh jack and marcy are talking about how annoying he is
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's always going off like help i'm being killed meanwhile (laughs) help i'm being killed yeah like that shut up ned they're just like
0: oh man he was just peeking at us this what a what a jerk and marcy has this weird monologue about a a nightmare she had about this big storm where the rain turns to blood and then it starts to rain
1: Uh, i really like the storm shots because like this whole camp feels like when it's dark and raining this whole camp feels just otherworldly like you can't see anything you can't tell how far away anything is from anything else it, it just makes it feel like this whole camp's got like shifting geography or like it could have shifting geography if they wanted to go down that road it just it makes it scarier they, they're they really not afraid to use like to just have the screen be
0: mostly black yeah I really love just the atmosphere of the storm just like it, when, when uh Marcy and Jack go and shelter from the rain in the death cabin to get it on obviously mm-hmm. they before they do the sex scene they just have all these atmospheric shots of the storm rolling in on the lake they're yeah. beautiful yeah and yeah like just the, the 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 way it darkens the way you're using a real lake it it has that sort of eeriness of real wilderness like it doesn't feel like a set because it's not a set it's just a real yeah. place that you know, it, it does have that shifting energy to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing I like about the storm is like how it's so loud that it kind of uh, that it kind of like nullifies the screams of the victims. So somebody could be getting killed in the cabin right next to you and you wouldn't hear it.
0: Right. The very heavy downpour is like an extra element to hide uh, Mrs. Voorhees' various dealings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sex scene, hot bacon. uh we we, uh pan up during the sex scene to find that ned is dead with his throat slit on the top bunk like above them
1: yeah that was that was a cool like creepy shot because i didn't realize he was like i knew he was dead when he went to the cabin but i I didn't realize he was like dead dead i thought we'd still see
0: it right it it, yeah like i said it it is I feel like we're robbed by not seeing Ned killed because Ned is the only character who's a sort of obnoxious one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in in the main cabin, we see the other three. They're playing Strip Monopoly and Smoking Weed. (laughs) Strip
1: Monopoly. (laughs) Uh, What's next? Strip Operation Tiddlywinks?
0: Strip Operation would be pretty relatively easy, I think.
1: Strip monopoly would be very easy. Uh, Strip (laughs) Settlers of Catan.
0: I mean, that's, yeah, that that's more in our Monopoly area. But it's cool that, you know, they're all into it. Uh, it oh, yeah, it's totally. cool that Alice is a final girl who is playing strip Monopoly, strip Monopoly and smoking weed, and it's not a thing.
1: Oh, yeah, no, she she's going to have sex if, you know, if no killer spoil it.
0: Yeah, but with who? Who's she interested in?
1: Oh, shoot, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I will get to that in a sec. So... Back in the death cabin, Marcy leaves to go pee, mm-hmm. and we get Jack's death, which I think is the best death in the movie. Kind of oh, un- incontrovertible. By far.
1: <laughs> like, it's, it's not close. This is the best one in the whole movie. He's lying on the bed, and, and an arm comes up and, like, holds his head to the pillow while an arrow comes up from under the bed out of his throat and I'm just imagining
0: this old woman trying to do this well, yeah like one I don't know how much space is under the bed so like, that, that's kind of weird to begin with like how much space does she have to like wind up with the arrow to like push it through and it, it,
1: it, then she's got to like aim it because if she can't hit the spine she won't be able to pierce it
0: I mean, it comes out straight through like his Adam's apple incredibly impressive effect as well. Like still, this,
1: stunning. this isn't an old woman kill. This is a monster man, Jason kill.
0: Well, and just how long do her arms have to be? Because like one, <laughs> she's she's got to be under the bed and she's pushing an arrow up. But like she's also got one arm all the way up around the mattress to grab him from the side to hold the top of his head. I mean, it's just impossible.
1: (laughs) It's ridiculous.
0: But it looks amazing.
1: (laughs) It's so good, though. Oh man, it, it's 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 a really really good kill when that arrow comes through. It's like holy shit, and it it's all seen through uh, from the top. We don't see, of course, under the bed as she's trying to actually because do
0: it would all be this. impossible. And and that's the thing that you know it's completely impossible and it's absurd. But you don't think about it until you've seen it a bunch of times because the effect is so good. You're just like mm-hmm. holy shit, that is an arrow coming through his neck. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks amazing. Oh, yeah. So, Marcy is the next one to go. Uh, uh, Voorhees stalks her in the bathroom, and she gets an axe in the face.
1: Another good effect. The axe goes Another right bird. through her face.
0: Yeah, and I think it hits one of the lights on the way down and dents it, right? Like, the, the axe hits uh, one of the the hanging lights in the bathroom. Oh,
1: I think so, yeah.
0: So, meanwhile, the... The strip monopoly game gets called for storm. Now they're they <laughs> it's it's getting just too stormy. And Brenda to Alice as she's just about to take her shirt off, just when it was getting interesting.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Ah, so, Brenda interested in Alice.
1: Yeah, all right, sure.
0: Yeah, I, I I it's something that I just hadn't really picked up on before watching this, like, oh hey, Brenda's into Alice here.
1: Yeah, no, that's I never caught that.
0: And Alice seems to reciprocate. He's like, oh, all right. <laughs> but then, you know, we we everything else happens.
1: Yeah. So why do they all go out in the rain in their underwear all the time? Like, <laughs> are they trying to save their spot and Strip Monopoly so they can remember what state of undress they were in when they uh, pick it up tomorrow?
0: I think just you know the the very simple answer that to get more skin on the screen. But uh... Uh, well, are you sure, okay. <laughs> All right. I I and again it's just, you know, the I I I guess the in in movie answer would be that youthful invincibility. It's like, ah, I'm not gonna put this shit on. I'm gonna just go run to the run through the rain. It's the fucking summertime. I can live through a summer storm.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's probably still pretty warm.
0: Yeah. So meanwhile Steve, Steve Christie is at the diner. Really cool atmospheric shot of just the big red diner sign and his jeep Jeep parked outside his jeep
1: parked outside which I thought was the killer's jeep so it's like oh shit is he going to see the killer in the diner even though it wouldn't make sense because we know the killer's at the camp right now
0: right and it especially doesn't make sense because it seems like they're trying to make him a red herring because not only do we see him with the jeep it cuts inside and he's got a knife Mm -hmm. on his belt just like the killer does
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The same,
1: and, <laughs> yeah, like the same kind of knife, isn't
0: it? Yeah, like the same setup, the same belt loop And it's like, it, it doesn't work as a Red Herring Because he's obviously not at the camp where the killer currently is Unless we're supposed to assume that this is taking place quite a bit later I guess maybe we're supposed to not be sure of the timing of things Maybe Maybe But, you know, obviously but, it's just not him
1: Yeah, and his his Jeep has a trailer on it
0: Yeah so Brenda goes to check the bathroom where Marcy was killed. She does not check the murder stall, and she gets spooked, but nothing happens right away. Mm. And then Steve is driving. He, he's heading back to the camp. He's like, oh, I better get back there. You know, I've got a whole bunch of kids at the, the new camp. There are literal babes in the woods.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm fucking one
0: of them. Yeah, creepy dude. Mm. So his jeep breaks down, and a cop car picks him up. So he's still on his way there through this whole thing. So we're very clearly shown that it can't be him because yeah, uh, we we have the next kill right away because Mrs. Voorhees lures Brenda outside uh, oh, by yeah. doing. She's she's saying help me. Help me. In her Michael Jackson voice? <laughs> yeah. I Young Jason see,
1: voice. I'm sorry. Young, yeah,
2: young Jason voice.
0: Um, so, Help, me.
2: <laughs> Help
0: me. Help me. I'm drowning. Help drowning. me. Oh! I, it seems unfair to me. Like, this to me is the most unfair kill because she lured her out by calling for help in the jason voice yeah
1: see the people who ignore the call for help should be the ones who
0: get marked exactly brenda went out in a pouring rain at night when there aren't even supposed to be children there yet to look to see if someone needed help she's a good counselor
2: yeah yeah
1: um but you know jason or um mrs voorhees uh is also a hypocrite
0: oh yes i mean mrs (laughs) voorhees is the one who should have saved him I, Like that, yep. that's kind of the thing I, I feel Is the key to the whole mystery Is that she is the one who really should have Saved him and then all of the rest Of this is projection
1: Oh yeah yeah like Mrs. Voorhees Is wrong
0: Yeah well I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean obviously wrong. She's, she's wrong, killing a lot of people <laughs> even,
1: if she he- even By her own rules she's wrong Yes
0: exactly uh so Brenda follows the voice to the archery range where she is arrowed to the same fake out that she had when we first were introduced to her.
1: Oh so she was the uh, I I wasn't sure if she was the same one who got fake arrowed.
0: Same one. Oh. I think that's kind of interesting that they they uh have a fake out and then have the exact actual thing happen to her. Mhm. So yeah, we we've got a few already. So of, of our we're at 7 deaths because there's the two stabbings yep. in 58. Yep. There's two throat slit, uh, both Annie and Ned. Uh yeah. Two yep. killed with there's, arrows?
1: Uh, one yeah, one one of which was through a bed.
0: Yeah, Kevin Bacon and Brenda and one with an axe. So you got some so, variety here already too.
1: So who's left now?
0: Uh, uh I think we just Alice. got There's Alice. Yeah, there's Alice and Bill
1: Oh, yeah, Bill's still alive. Uh, Steve Christie's alive for a while.
0: Yeah, and I think that's it.
1: Wow. Yeah, the, the cast uh,
0: gets whittled down really fast.
1: She's efficient.
0: Yeah. So Bill comes back to the main cabin where Alice is. Uh, he's, he's checked the generator to make sure everything's working. Mm-hmm. And then Alice, like, she saw the lights on, and she heard Brenda's scream, like, over at the archery range so they're like we should probably go find out what's going on
1: yeah and then whoever was there you know helpfully uh turned the lights back off when they were done that was nice of them
0: yeah and that's sort of part of what weirds them out. it's like well the lights are back out i saw them on so that's strange let's go see if she's in her cabin so they go there but she's not there it's like well she's got to be with everybody else where the hell is everybody
1: (laughs) yeah uh oh yeah right here's the part where she's like I really think we should call somebody right now. No, it's fine. No, I really think there's something going on. No.
0: No no, cuz Bill oh, then yet. no cuz then Bill finds the bloody axe in her bed. And it's like, "Oh yeah, oh, maybe yeah. we should fucking call somebody."
1: Right, yeah, there's right.
0: no no no. <laughs>
1: right, right. I'm I'm just thinking of every other one of these movies.
0: Yeah. It's like, "Uh, there's a fucking bloody axe sitting on her pillow." And like, "Uh, that's fucked up. Are they trying to mess with us?"
1: Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing about the blood on that axe. It isn't
2: cranberry sauce.
0: <laughs> it's not cranberry sauce. So they go to Jack and Marcy's cabin, which is also empty. And they go to the bathroom. It's also empty. So at this point, Mrs. Voorhees has been cleaning up her crime scenes. Yep. She's been moving the bodies around. She's preparing for the finale. She's
1: <laughs> kind of doing uh, what actually kind of doing what terry did in blood rage which is yeah, or uh,
0: what michael myers does he likes uh, to do his halloween oh, decorations does do his, uh,
1: decorations
0: yeah it's just one of the uh it's 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 one of the tropes of the the genre for some reason it pretty much just comes from michael myers i guess but i guess also just because it's fun you know to have all of the bodies show up at the end you know uh, the the final girl running around and encountering all of them
1: well there was one oh who was it who was like arrowed and just stuck onto a wall or a door Uh, rather
0: i think that ultimately happens to bill
1: right right okay
0: so they break into the office to call the police but the line has been cut
1: yeah we uh helpfully have a pan
0: out to see the wire cut of course he's like man it's not working the line must be down but Obviously, it has been cut. And then the truck won't start. And this is one of those things that is kind of a trope in these movies. Like, oh, the truck won't start. What are we going to do? Man, it's too bad none of the trucks are well maintained in these universes. But Never. I feel it's fair here because it makes perfect sense that it would also be stab- sabotaged.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I love how they open it. It's like, the engine's wet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be. Right? It would be, <laughs>
1: but like that's not a thing, really, that...
0: Well, it could be fully that, you know, during the storm, Mrs. Voorhees opened up the hood and pulled some crap out of it. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that's definitely.
0: All good. the water got in. Yeah.
1: Could also be that they were just, you know, they just didn't have the money for a proper good truck.
0: Hey, that's also possible. I mean, Steve uh, Christie is really running a threadbare camp.
1: He really is. It's like you're camp counselors, but I really hired you as laborers.
0: Right. I mean, completely. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I guess we'll just wait for Steve. There must be some explanation. Yeah, we're we're probably just jumping at shadows here. I
1: yeah, mean, Steve like do-do-do, slowly
0: getting there. Yeah, we cut to the cop driving Steve there, and he's just bitching about how Friday the 13th is such fucking pain. I hate this yeah. holiday.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, statistically everybody starts acting crazy around Friday the 13th. We get more rapes, more murders. It's like how many rapes and murders do you get in this town? That on one day of the year you notice it goes up.
0: Yeah, there are not a lot of people in this town, uh, and I've never <laughs> How really busy heard is that.
1: Crazy Ralph.
0: I've never heard that being the case for a Friday the thirteenth. You know, no. full moon maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Friday
0: the thirteenth—that's made up. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> But the cop gets a call because there's a major car crash somewhere nearby. So he just drops Steve off to walk the rest of the way. Yeah. And he meets the killer POV.
1: Yep. Who, you know, uh, he is completely not scared upon seeing this person's face.
0: He obviously knows her. He says, oh, hi. Oh, oh, what are hi. you doing it's, out here in this mess? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a very Midwestern kind of greeting. It's like, Oh, what are you down out here in this mess? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and is immediately stabbed. Yeah. And then we see. So th- he
1: will not be coming to save them.
0: Nope. Uh, they're they're, they're going to be waiting a while for Steve to show up.
1: Yep. Which means uh, nobody's going to come and
0: save them. Right. And uh, they, they're still feeling semi comfortable because they still have electricity. But then we see from her POV, uh, Voorhees shuts off the generator. Uh, and bill goes to check on it it's like well it can't be out of gas cause he just checked it uh and you know he, they they light some lanterns yeah. in the main cabin uh and alice puts a kettle on the stove she's making coffee and she she goes to find bill because like it's taking a while and this is where he's arrowed to the door
1: yeah <laughs> oh yeah we don't because we don't actually see his kill either do we
0: no, and it's exactly like the Kevin Bacon one where, like, we can't possibly see it because he's, like, off the ground, <laughs> yeah, arrowed like, to the door, like, straight through. Like, like what, what did
1: she do? Say to him, all right, I'm going to shoot you with this arrow. I need you to jump in the air repeatedly until you're stuck, okay? Okay, well, well.
0: I have to assume that it's supposed to be a situation where she lifts him up by his throat and arrows through him.
1: Yeah, you know, like what Michael Myers does in Halloween with the
0: or, fun guy, or how Jason will do or how, it in subsequent things.
1: Yeah, that like you know another that's a Jason kill right there.
0: Yeah, and she couldn't possibly do this as a non supernatural being. So in terms of continuity to the rest of the series, that's why I subscribe to the tulpa idea and that it is a power that comes from out of her. It's released with her death. Okay, um, and that like. Until that point, she has this sort of Jason spirit within her that is building up and gaining like negative energy that allows her to do these uh, impossible feats of strength.
1: It works because it's the Jason spirit or the Jason voice that's telling her to kill. Yeah, maybe it is like a like a yeah, like you say a tulpa. It's like kill so that I can be more powerful, so I can go into outer space. Yeah. Kill her, mommy, killer! Ah, oh, it's so creepy how she does that, though.
0: Oh, it's great. Betsy Palmer is awesome.
1: So great. <laughs> Even if this wasn't a precursor to the whole Jason franchise, this would still be a really creepy film.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's creepier on its own, honestly. With the, with all the Jason stuff, it gets kind of sillier. But I but, love, yeah, because it's
1: like uh, seven movies from now, he's going to die in a toxic sewer in New York
0: yeah and he'll like become a child again it's very weird uh <laughs> but but the thing is i don't feel that they detract from this one the way the sequels detract from halloween because this one's already kind of silly and trashy like the the stuff with the deaths that are just impossible yeah they, exactly they don't work without the sequels either so no. it's still just like ah, i i love it it's so goofball
1: <laughs> it's really fun
0: it's it's the only series that is kind of goofball from beginning to end, even though the first one is kind of not acknowledging how goofball it is.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So Alice runs back to the main cabin, uh, and she's very resourceful. Is This is a good example of her resourcefulness. She secures the door with a rope.
1: I like this part because it reminds me of like resourcefulness plus panicky making bad decisions. She secures the door with a rope. But then she puts all this shit in front of it when the door opens outward. But it's like, I would probably do that, too. I wouldn't be thinking straight.
0: Right. I mean, I guess she's thinking that someone's going to break through the door because they're big enough to pick up Bill and arrow him through. Yes, they are. And it's someone who is obviously strong enough to throw corpses around because Brenda's body is then thrown through the kitchen window.
1: I'm just I'm just imagining little J- Mrs. Voorhees like <laughs> trying to do
0: that. Just like doing oh, right, it. here we go. Her just fucking hucking Brenda like a shot put. Incredible.
1: Oh my god, like one hand it just, it just swings her around and throws her through the window. Yes.
0: Yeah. So uh Alice sees the Jeep drive up after a bit. And she thinks it's Steve. She thinks it's Steve, so she runs out. But it's Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, an old friend of the Christie's.
1: Thank God. Oh, my God. It's a sweet old lady in a corduroy sweater. Oh, I am so safe now.
0: Yeah. And and she's yelling, oh, they're all dead. And Mrs. Voorhees is like, I'm not afraid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know they're dead. Don't worry
2: about it. It's
0: like, I'm not afraid. And she goes inside and she sees Brenda's body that she's thrown in. She says, Oh, what monster could have done this.
2: Yeah, which is, what
0: indeed? Which it's an interesting moment because she's not really reflecting on herself as having done it. No, nope, actually.
1: And it it also doesn't quite come off as she's trying to uh, as she's trying to fool Alice either.
0: No, she's making zero effort because she immediately goes into her monologue about Jason. Mm-hmm. That how they weren't paying any attention. And then and then it turns into you weren't paying attention. Yeah. And obviously she was there working like this is where it it becomes very clear to me that like she was there and heard it go down and didn't do anything about it. Maybe that's her guilt about it that's driving a lot of this.
1: Maybe like I get the feeling she saw it through the window of the kitchen.
0: Yeah. And it's like they weren't paying attention like you were paying attention. You still didn't do anything, though.
1: Yeah, like, did you yell for the lifeguards or anything? Or it's lunchtime. The Salisbury steak can't be burned.
0: And th- this is where she says that he was—he wasn't Not a very good swimmer.
1: The, yeah, like he was a abo- Like she was about to say that uh,
0: she was going to say the R word. I'm sure.
1: Oh, you know what? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm absolutely certain because like they should have been watching him every minute. He was, and then she like stops herself. Mm -hmm. and pauses and like he wasn't a very good swimmer Uh, there's nothing wrong with him so she she flashes back to him screaming mommy help me while drowning (laughs) right
2: yeah she
1: is he's screaming for mommy
0: yeah she is screaming for her to help him and like is that a memory or is that a false memory is that something she was there for is that why she's doing this that's what she imagines happened that's the thing that's hard to resolve but i think she did hear it and it is just her guilt i think so too uh and so she's like well i couldn't let him open this place again after what happened and then she Goes into the full hardcore. Look what you did to him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. This this is so good. She
0: is amazing.
1: She nails it.
0: Oh, like it's it's such a great build. Like she's a little weird from the moment she arrives. She's already off. And then she just keeps peeling away the layers really, really fast. And then she's on the attack. Mm hmm. So once once she's in the cabin and once the attack takes place, it does play out quite a bit like Halloween because you have all of these fake outs where Alice knocks her out or something and gets away and then is chased again because she doesn't finish her off.
1: Yeah, and like there's even a bit where she uh, hears Johnny's through one of the doors, kind of like right. kind of like the closet with Michael. And the. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first she gets hit with a fireplace poker. And Alice goes to try and take the Jeep, but she's startled when she finds Annie's dead body still in the Jeep. I guess Mrs. Voorhees has just been driving around with her corpse. <laughs> it tracks. Oh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense with the character. Yep. I have no idea how, but there's a part where Annie's running through the woods and Steve's body just drops upside down out of a tree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that That's like, that's like a... Uh... Woodland Killer 101, you gotta make it so that at least one body drops out of a tree whenever somebody uh whenever somebody goes by. I'm sure she's set up like this whole Rube Goldberg thing. Yeah, hey, like I don't happen. know how
0: she set it up, but it's impressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and, and it's so many movies since have taken that exact thing, the body swinging upside down through a tree.
0: Mm-hmm. But it never makes any goddamn sense. No, never. So this is where she's running around yelling, Killer mommy, killer, killer. Uh, and Mrs. Voorhees starts up the generators and gets the lights back on so it's easier to locate Alice. Because
1: mm-hmm, she's still human. She's still got to see.
0: Yep. Uh, she can't teleport. So,
1: No, she cannot. That's a cool thing. This is a slasher who does not get teleport powers but does get off-screen super strength.
0: Yeah, she is pretty realistic. Like, she's mostly realistic. Mostly. So Alice finds a gun. But can't get ammo because the ammo's locked up in a drawer. Yeah, and and she gets cornered. Uh, and I like that she's just throwing anything near to hand. Like there's spools yeah. of yarn. She's like, "What's <laughs> gonna matter?" Just
1: like, like one of these has got to slow this old lady down. Uh,
0: and Mrs. Voorhees slaps her around a bit first. She's mm-hmm. like, "Well, you know, this is the last person. I, I've I've succeeded." Uh, but uh, Alice punches her in the gut. And punches in her face and takes off again. Uh, And then they have the bit with the pantry. Like, she hides in the pantry where Ralph was earlier. And this is where Mrs. Voorhees smashes her way in. Like, Mm -hmm. the closet. Like, exactly like the closet. Exactly
1: like the closet.
0: Uh, Although Alice doesn't get her with a coat hanger, she hits her with a frying pan. (laughs) And then finally, outside, on the dock, or at, at the docks, Mrs. Voorhees comes for her again. Uh, and she gets fucking beheaded with the machete.
1: Fucking taking the head right off. I
0: mean, perfect stroke. <laughs> and
1: the, the way that, like, after her head comes off, her hands go up and they're, like, doing the villainous no hands.
0: Or like, like, no. like, grasping at where the head's supposed to be. And, yeah. like, the blood spurting. <laughs> Great effect.
1: Oh, man. It's so, so fun.
0: Awesome. And then... We cut to the next day, early next morning, a very idyllic scene on the lake.
1: Yeah, she uh, she escaped, she got into a boat, and she's just sleeping in this boat, and, you know, peaceful uh, music is playing.
0: Yeah, you know, she's, she's been through a lot, she's uh, uh, really kind of feeling everything that's happened, and we see the police drive up, and it's like, well, you know, it, it's actually a very beautiful shot, just the, this mm-hmm. big shot above the lake, and. Of course, then we have the classic fake-out where Jason jumps out of the water.
1: <laughs> Jason jumps out of the water and drags her down, and then she wakes up in a hospital bed.
0: Yeah, and the they are like, that didn't happen. No, you're stupid. <laughs> you're just imagining that. It's yeah, like, then she's he's like, still there. He's like, still no, there. No, there, there was no one. You don't understand. You, no, you definitely. <laughs> You've been through some stuff.
1: You definitely dreamed that. You're on so many drugs right now.
0: Except it will turn out that he was. <laughs> it turns out that he was, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, or, or presumably. I. So th- this final scene, what's your take on it, both in movie and then in franchise?
1: Okay, so in movie, my take on it is that it was completely a dream, mm. but she will never accept that because, right. so, because of all the shit that she's been through she thinks it's real
0: yeah this is the sort of thing that's going to damage you for life you're you're always going to be haunted by something like this
1: in franchise no that was jason and now he's got to grow about three more feet and start his killing spree
0: yeah uh the tulpa has been released uh by beheading the mom the spiritual energy for whatever reason just became this being and. It doesn't make sense to me that it could actually be Jason's body because why would they never have retrieved it? Yes, <laughs> they know
1: they know where he died. It's not a huge lake, I, uh, that, although Jason make ta- takes Manhattan begs to differ.
0: Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that 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 one raises some further questions. But there there's a lot of dead bodies in this lake that never seem to get cleared up because there's like a later one where there. In Friday the 13th, part 6, which was supposed to be like Jason versus Carrie, there's a girl who has psychokinetic powers. Okay. And she has a flashback to her childhood on Crystal Lake where she killed her dad on a dock and his body dropped into the lake. And at the end of the movie, spoilers, her dad grabbed, jumps up, comes up out of the lake and grabs Jason just like Jason grabs Alice at the end of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh they just keep bodies in the lake i don't know if someone dies in crystal lake they're forever in crystal lake maybe crystal yeah. lake itself is a magical space
1: oh that could be
0: you know i i i, I guess it's like a thin spot in reality
1: baby mm-hmm. um, so maybe it was the spirit of the lake that possessed mrs Voorhees.
0: I mean, it really just seems that it is Mrs. Voorhees' guilt and rage that possesses her more than anything. Oh,
1: yeah. No, um, that's what I like about this movie. Unlike Halloween, this movie works on its own and as part of the greater franchise.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I love Halloween, and Halloween is unquestionably a better movie. Oh, but... have much better. but <laughs> it,
1: <laughs> Halloween 1 works better if there's no franchise tied to it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this where, works this one, either way. Yeah, it's 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 kind of great both ways. It adds fun dimensions to it by having the later ones because it's sort of inexplicable in places here because it's a little shaggy. Like it's it's an exploitation movie, and they weren't. Yeah. They, they they were aware of it from the beginning.
1: <laughs> uh, really good. Uh, really I love fun. it.
0: It's such a blast. So, any last thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth before we move on to our second feature?
1: No, I think I'm all mrs Voorhees, doubt
0: all right on to part two and we're back for part two where we're talking about the last man on earth from 1964 the first version of richard matheson's famous novel i am legend
1: uh the first but not the last there's uh so the ones that i can remember there's the omega man with charlton heston and then there's i am legend with uh will smith is it
0: yeah, those are and the that, two other really big ones. I think there have been other variations. Those are the only like major film versions, I think.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about maybe this was something that was like gonna happen but never did. But like that Schwarzenegger was gonna do one.
0: Uh, I mean, like a lot of people have been thrown around for these. Uh, I, I know that Matheson himself thought Harrison Ford was the perfect guy to play Morgan that's who he wanted to do it and he wrote the script for this one but then he took his name off it because he ultimately didn't like it oh (laughs) because it was a movie that was supposed to have a higher budget originally and then it ended up with AIP and AIP is a pretty low budget company
1: yeah uh it it kind of feels low budget like it doesn't have the spectacle of say night of the living dead or or you whichever Living Dead. You you know the Yeah, it
0: wouldn't, wouldn't be about. Night of the Living Dead because Night of the Living Dead is very low budget and it's just like shot homemade in Pittsburgh. And that's why oh, it's a really? public domain movie. They didn't even put a copyright on it at the beginning. Oh, shit. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that, that's like four years later. Although, uh interestingly, this movie is set in 1968 when Night of the Living Dead actually comes out, which is funny because it's sort of a proto zombie movie itself.
1: It, it is yeah like the the vampires in this act a lot more like talking zombies than they act like vampires
0: yeah i really like that one who's always yelling at him though that one's really morgan, cool. morgan. do you hear
1: morgan you should have listened to me about my theory about the virus morgan
0: yeah so this is directed by sydney salkow uh originally they w- they were going to get fritz Lang. Uh, the legendary German director who did Metropolis. Oh, they couldn't afford him. Ultimately, <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, again, things that Richard Matheson did not totally love about the movie. Ultimately, it's like and this was supposed to be a much bigger budget thing than I expected. But I would say that this is still a pretty uh, iconic movie, and Vincent Price is great. Vincent, Vincent is Price is so great.
1: Well, he has to be. He's the only character for the most yeah. part.
0: But it's but great. No, it's like one is. of his great performances.
1: This is this is the first time I've ever like I've
0: I've never oh, right, seen yeah.
1: Vincent Price movie last before. I've just seen things with Vincent Price in them, where he's usually, Oh, I'm the evil villain, Vincent Price. He's never yeah acting. Uh, yeah. Uh, in yeah. the stuff he, I've seen.
0: It's it's like Anthony Hopkins, the no acting required <laughs> roles. It's it's uh, Vincent Price had a lot of that in the latter uh, latter years of his career and you know, if he liked a movie, he would put a bit more effort into it. But he didn't need to for most <laughs> of them. Just being Vincent Price was enough. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, oh God, he was... I just remembered he was the egghead in Batman.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. In in the 66 series. That's, yep. like, only a couple years after this.
1: That's only a couple years after. Uh, but here he acts his ass off.
0: Oh, he's so good. He's fantastic as Morgan. And, like, oh, he has because there's... Like, he he is the whole movie.
1: Yeah, he is the whole movie. Actually, the the worst parts of the movie for me are the parts where anybody else is on screen.
0: It's true. And and especially uh, that long flashback sequence.
1: That flashback didn't need to be as long as it was.
0: Right. Like it's it has very important details and I really like some of the stuff they do there, but it's so long and it's so much stuff where it's like I want to know what Morgan's doing now though. Yeah. I already understand basically what happened. I don't really need that much backstory for this.
1: Yeah, we, we just need it. Although the flashback does give us that amazing freaking corpse pit scene.
0: Yes, that is a that very is intense moment. Probably totally the most sh- shocking piece in the whole movie.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like yeah. that nighttime when it's all on fire. Oh, that like the the best shot in the film.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's the only moment where it feels truly post-apocalyptic, which is interesting because... The rest of the movie is set in, like, the real post-apocalypse where he's the only one left. But it's that moment where we see it in the middle, where we see the transition point, where you really feel the post-apocalypticism of it.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder how they got from that point to him being the only one left. Because it looks like there was a military being mobilized and all this stuff.
0: Well, it just seems like nobody else was uh, immune to it everybody else just got it and died. Yeah. Or went insane.
1: Or, yeah. Or, you know, went and joined the uh, underground vampire We Hate Vincent Price Society.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to get there. But yeah, that, that's a whole <laughs> interesting background is that secretly he doesn't know that he's become a supervillain.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is sort of the why it's I Am Legend is the, the, the title of the book, is That when he finally realizes that he has become this evil legend that he has become a supervillain to the remaining people on earth because he thought he was the last one. There's a lot of others who you know, they've created a new style of life.
1: hmm And uh and he's not invited. He's
0: Although the bad guy now.
1: He's yeah, he's the bad guy. Because he's they, the conservative
0: say, who's holding on to the past.
1: Oh. Yeah, like they the girl even tells him it's like, No, you're a legend among us, but not the good kind.
0: Yeah, not in a good way
1: yeah yeah so we start out with like these big empty shots like huge vistas of like this city that's just completely empty uh this is supposed to take place in america but it's actually shot in uh rome or in somewhere rome. in italy yeah it's in rome um very un-american looking buildings
0: yeah it does not look american uh I, again budget reasons <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. i mean it still works it just it looks good the uh the random corpses scattered here—they really punctuate the emptiness, mm-hmm. because it feels like there should be a lot more corpses just well, lying he's around. Been cleaning them up. But he has been cleaning them up, and he's been at this for years, uh, literally methodically going up and down every single block and every single house looking for them.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting elements of this movie: is that it cat- catches up with the last man on Earth years into being the last man on Earth. I, I think that's really compelling. That like it's been a few years and he's started to lose his grip.
1: Yeah, like like he's got like this whole system that uh, like the first act, uh, the first half hour or so of the movie actually feels like um, one of those survival crafting video games where it's like, uh, I woke up the zombie. I've survived another night. It's time to go about my day. Oh, well, my garlic supplies are low. I need gas.
0: i got to replace my
1: mirrors. Uh, I don't have to fix the fence today, but maybe tomorrow I will.
0: Yeah, and like, oh, he'll, we'll pick up a couple of these dead bodies, get rid of those.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, don't have time to go after those, though, because I've got to prioritize the activities I do before sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of those video games is owes its existence to this movie.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that it starts with process. It's it's a really good way of getting the audience sort of uh, situated in the universe as we sort of get an idea of how he's living his life every single day. And it's boring and it's just him having to do the same shit over and over again and it's kind of bleak.
1: It's so boring um, that I actually, like, I'm gonna be honest I have a hard time staying awake watching this movie even though it's good because, like, What he's doing is so mundane. Everything about it's mundane. He's not really... He's not really narrating how it got this way at this point. He's just saying, yep, gotta get some gas. Better go to the corpse pit.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, he's... It's it's what I'm saying, that it's a few years into this, and he is at the end of his rope. Like, he's become sick of this. It's just this endless routine of him doing the same things over and over again and no progress being made
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, again much like those video games <laughs> much like conservatism Yeah. Uh, in that like he's just trying to do the same things and hold on to this ex- image of a past that no longer exists and living life the way he feels he has to even though it's no life to live like he is living exclusively to spite everyone else who still lives even though like he feels that he's the only real person who still exists
1: yeah he's like he's long since given up looking for a cure even though this is like what he was working on
0: yeah yeah he is a biochemist or something and he was working on it all the way along uh and yeah it's it's sort of weird that like his only purpose now is just to Live out his days. Uh, yeah. he, he doesn't really have any other thing going on than just sort of this animal repetition.
2: It basically, and, yeah.
0: And and I think that's what's so interesting about this first part is because he is we we catch up with him where he can't sustain it anymore. Like he isn't admitting it to himself here, but we can see he can no longer sustain it because there's the part where he goes to his wife's crypt and just loses a day.
1: Oh yeah. Like he was supposed to be uh, getting some, some more garlic, but no, he just goes to his wife's crypt and weeps on his corpse, weeps on her corpse and then, or her coffin rather, and then falls asleep. But when you think about it, that might be the first time in a few weeks this man has been able to sleep. Uh, could be he he can't sleep during the day. He's got work to do, and as we're going to find out, when he tries to sleep at night,
0: uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's tough, and and there's that, but it's also a thing of just he is he is lost. His uh, it, he 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 no longer has any zest for life. There's no uh-huh. reason for him to keep doing it. Like it, it's at a point where he has no real reason to continue other than just routine
2: yeah
1: yeah and he even says like at the beginning it, it's only been three years it feels like it's been a hundred million
0: yeah i mean it yeah. would it'd be it so would. fucking boring and you're just burning bodies every day and putting up garlic and every night uh this guy you used to work with your old ex coworker, shows up to like you're doing a bad job. I don't like you. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm Let me in so I can you kill out. you.
1: I'm singling you out for death for unclear reasons. No, Actually, i the, the only one, he, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, everyone wants to kill him and and like they in the vampire underground they want him dead because he is a bad guy. Like to yeah. them, he is the bad guy. He's a but, serial killer.
1: So okay, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, jumping we can, way ahead, but
0: I I think it's fine to just go all over the place with this one because it's so mundane, routine at the beginning. Then we have the huge flashback, and then it's the important stuff.
1: Yeah, actually, yes. The the important part of this movie all happens in the last half hour, but we yeah. do need that establishing.
0: I think the establishing ass. stuff is the best stuff, personally. Like oh, I yeah. think that stuff is the most compelling. Uh, but, you know, the the latter stuff is really fascinating thematically.
1: Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Boring isn't the right word. Like, it's boring in the context that we're supposed to be bored is what I'm trying to I think what I'm trying to get across.
0: I don't think we're supposed to be bored. I think it's just reflecting that he is bored, that he yeah, is that's... exhausted, that like life has become nothing to him. There's nothing but routine and no uh, there, there's nothing for him to live for until he runs into that dog.
1: Right, until, yeah, and then he's like, I will have a new man's best friend. Oh, that didn't work out.
0: that the, the, That is a really sad scene, especially when ultimately it didn't need to happen.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Although when he breaks down after looking at the dog's blood under the microscope, like, oh, what's the use?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I the, you really feel it, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, but so these guys, the... These other survivors who are building their new society—they're killing vampires too. Right. They've got industrialized, like heavy iron stakes that they
0: use. Yeah, I think there's. It, it seems to be there's different stages of this disease where, past a certain point, you seem to be impossible to to save. Like uh, his his buddy who's always shouting is it Mercer. Courtman, Courtman, Bill ben. or Ben. Ben Cortman. Ben Cortman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he does not seem like he is salvageable because he is he's the mirror image of Morgan. Like he's the vampire Morgan. He has his routine every night. He comes to Morgan's house to yell at him and break his mirrors and, uh, take down the garlic and lead more people here to cause trouble. Like yeah. both of them are living this same endless routine and they're both locked into their routines that are spiraling into the drain of history. Whereas all of these other vampires, quote unquote, the, the, the ones who are trying to rebuild society, they're still living lives. Like, they have a community. They're actually, yeah. like, they have love. They have... Uh, I want
1: to see what their society looks like, because we only see uh, the, the apocalypse city.
0: Right. We we only see it through the eyes of the last conservative.
1: Yeah, and they're, like, they they must have like this, they must have a map similar to him, where they just have, like, this big circle, and it's like, bob morgan written on the circle and like a big skull and crossbones and then they've got their houses all on the outside of that circle
0: yeah i don't know because it's not clear if they like they clearly know about him i don't know if they know where he is yet
1: they they don't because that's what the girl's there for yeah she's the one who
0: leads them yeah
1: yeah no they i wonder if they like thing is why doesn't morgan move
0: yeah, it is strange that he stays in his own home. Like, he should be in a high-rise. It's very strange that he would be in just, like, a little... This is not level, a well-defensible
1: you know? location. No. And he has his own arch-nemesis who knows where he lives.
0: Yeah, and it kind of seems like it's a part of the routine. It's a part of the conservatism that, like, well, this is my house, and you can't make me leave it. I don't care if you have different views than I do. Yeah,
1: okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so... Uh, but... Hmm, what was I going to say?
0: <laughs> so, like, just uh, all, all of the stuff with the the, the vampires and their society. Like, yeah, they have society.
1: They they have cars that work. They've... Uh, yeah, I guess they've just sectioned off, like, this whole part of the city where they know that he operates. And they've just gone off and built their own society over there.
0: Yeah, and, like, he has important scientific knowledge that they could use, but he has made himself a villain to them and is inaccessible.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is why they send the girl. Her whole mission is to find out what he knows and if, they know, if he knows more than they do. And it turns out he does not.
0: He knows less than they do.
1: He knows less than they do because he has not been continuing to work on this after everything went down. He's just doing this
0: He's doing So-called his routine.
1: Vampire he's, hunter life.
0: he's he's settled into depression, and he's just doing the same thing every day, and not really doing anything else. Like he can't progress in life anymore.
1: Yeah, because he can't he can't move out of his house, even though it, there's nothing stopping. him. Nothing everybody. keeping him there. Yeah, uh, he can't. When do you think was the last time that he tried to reach out to a va- uh, disease victim to see if like they could be saved?
0: I don't think he's done. I, I would say that as soon as his wife died, he was finished with the world. And I don't think he's bothered to do anything ever again.
1: Oh, wow. Because she when she died, there was still a world. Yeah. So you're so you think he gave up before the full apocalypse happened? Yeah, I think so. I I agree. I agree <laughs> with that.
0: <laughs> it it seems fully in keeping with his character that he is just like he got to this point of severe personal trauma and he gave up and he was no longer able to move forward with anything in the world.
1: Yeah, okay. Um and then and then when his best friend turned he's like, "Oh, well, that's it." Yeah, everyone's a vampire now. Got to kill everyone I see, I guess.
0: I was like, let's just wall myself in this house. I gotta barricade myself in, and I'm going to live my, like, eke out this existence because Still I'm going need, to like, stand my ground. Yeah. Um,
1: I I do like how like how he's written the calendar on the walls of the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after he's they're run not printing it. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. It's something I've never really thought about. It's like. Yeah, of course they wouldn't be printing any. Uh, how come no other apocalypse stuff does this to keep track of the days? Yeah, Maybe keeping track of well, the days is part of what he thinks keeps him sane?
0: It is, but it's also partly that we rarely see a post-apocalypse movie this far into the apocalypse. Usually That's it's true. just like, it just happened, and we have like a handful of survivors hanging around.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm usually thinking of things like, or I'm thinking things like The Walking Dead, where right. we see the beginning, but then we follow the whole process into what it, whatever it turns into, and follow it for years and years and years and years. And
0: yeah, I only I gave followed up it after. for one year.
1: <laughs> you know what? That was the best time to get out. Yeah, the uh, first season, season was one all right. Was good. That was good. The pilot was amazing, and everything Incredible. else after
0: that was... That sequence just, with the horse? Damn
1: oh man yeah and he's Riding in and like all the Cars are out like On, on
2: the oh
0: man On the freeway and then yeah the, the Horse gets ripped apart by zombies and he hides In a tank that a great first episode uh, Rest really of the good. season is okay Yeah, I never watched nothing
1: it. else after That is really worth watching
0: Yeah I never picked it up again
1: And I watched until like season Five or six I have got into The books for a while
0: I read some of the comics back before, but uh, I was never super into the books either. Oh. So maybe that's why I never got that into the series.
1: Well, eh, they're pretty different.
0: Hmm. True, true. Uh,
1: Yeah, so um, let's talk about the flashback. Uh, Let's Hmm. get that out of the way. I feel that flashback is about... It's a big chunk minutes of minutes longer than it needs to be.
0: Yeah, it's it's too long because there's not a lot of knowledge that we get from it. It's cool to see some of it. Like I'm I'm interested. It's it's rare that we get to see a flashback of how the apocalypse happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that seems pretty consistent and realistic. It makes sense the way things went down. It's a pandemic.
1: Yeah, it's a pandemic. We have people who are on uh, multiple sides of this pandemic. People who believe that it is
0: a hoax uh, a hoax or um, that it is a uh, like uh, a biochemical weapon uh, there's it's actually from bats a disease that people caught from bats which hey that happened in 2020 oh gosh you know covid came from bats right
1: yeah see i always see i thought that was just a racist thing
0: it's like oh no. Oh. it 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 comes from, like it 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 generated out of wet markets in china is is sort of where it it first kind of came into contact with people and it's presumably from someone eating a bat that had it Huh. so uh that's how like again there are things about this that i feel resonate in very weird ways with specifically right now
2: <laughs> oh yeah for sure
0: where, like, previous versions, I don't think, have quite the same thing. Like, I've seen The Omega Man. I've never seen I Am Legend. The Omega Man is very, very much of its moment in time. Because it's set, it's, it's made in the 70s, and it's set in the 70s. But, like, it's so about the post-60s hangover. Like, oh. it has Charlton Heston going to watch the movie Woodstock in the theater <laughs> over and over and over again. Oh, and geez. just, like... Man, what the fuck did we do wrong, is is his whole thing there.
1: <laughs> well, interesting. The interesting thing is, like, uh, him and Cortman are on different sides of a debate about this virus, despite the fact that they're both working on the same thing, and they both know it's there. But he's all like, well, I don't believe in a universal virus. It's like, what are you studying, then?
0: Well, it is kind of unbelievable that a virus would be like totally universal—that it could infect absolutely everyone and everything. Oh, that's
1: that's that's what you what he means by that.
0: Yeah, because it it infects people and animals. Oh, it infects yeah, everything.
1: No, that, oh, I see. So that's uh, that doesn't usually happen. I, I didn't happen. catch that.
0: <laughs> well, because yeah. remember the dog has it.
1: Oh yeah, because only because it's like the first dog he's ever found.
0: Yeah, because like all all of the dogs had, and they died off too. Everything died. Everything became vampires. Oh
1: shit! See, uh, the the dog actually plays a much bigger part in the Will Smith one. He like forms
0: a right. friendship
1: with the dog. And,
0: oh, it's uh, it was central to all of the advertising.
1: Yeah, uh, and in the Will Smith one, he's not evil. Uh, they uh, Will don't Smith have doesn't? a secret. So- no, they don't have a secret society of vampires so that he's weird. been murdering. Which Just, is
0: like the point of the he- book. Yeah, and then how do you have that as the title if you're losing that element? That's crazy. It's,
1: I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> how they tried to justify it. But, like, huh. that was the thing the whole time I was watching this this movie. I was like, are they going to do the thing where he where he's actually evil? Are and it kind of makes it clear pretty quick that, yeah, there's something a little not right about how he's killing all these vampires.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's in the back of your head because... The, when when he busts into that per, that vampire's home and stakes oh, them like yeah, the, during the, the day, it's just like it looks. This like, is someone sleeping. It looks like yeah. he's killing someone who is like nodding off from doing too much drugs. Like it, it seems like he's going out and killing yes. junkies. And That's and again, exactly it, what
1: I felt. What it felt like.
0: It it plays into that conservatism feeling of it that like he seems to be this weird conservative boogeyman uh, and. He does not realize he's a villain until he gets to the point where he is the only person left, and he realized, no, I'm not the only person left. There's a whole society. I'm just the only person who thinks this way.
1: Yeah, but even in the even as he's dying, he's like, no, you're all freaks. You're all mutations. I'm the last man on earth.
0: Right. He is never fully able to let go of it, even though he kind of gets it. Like he and he saves afraid Ruth of me. Yeah, but like he he saves Ruth and he does understand and he's he sort of gets that he's a villain, but then he's not able to fully process it because he can't grow like he has gotten yeah. past the point of growth.
1: Yeah, um, actually, I was listening to the, the commentary on this movie in the book. He he does have to grow as a character because in the book he's not a scientist, so he has to learn all the science and all that stuff, and that's where his character development comes from.
0: That makes sense because Matheson's not a science dude. Yeah, Matheson's like a straight horror dude. I've read some of his books, but not this one.
1: Okay, Uh, they made him a scientist in the movie so that they could skip all the stuff about him learning all the science, but in so doing, kind of skips him have having character growth and
0: i think it works in in favor of the movie i agree
1: i agree it it makes the character more to have him like stuck in this routine that even though he knows he could get out of it once he meets the girl he still can't really
0: yeah because he can't get past himself like it's why i do feel that when his wife died he shut off and that's sort of like the end of his growth and he can never grow again Mm mm-hmm he just ingrown he became ingrown and that was it
1: yeah oh man so the scene where the daughter like he, oh yeah and he also does like the whole conservative thing of well it's not a conservative yeah. thing well, really it's, but the it's especially, don't tell people your bit
0: oh well, yeah and and the uh, for thee but not for me stuff as well is well yeah. with like the the daughter and the body and everything it's like well I mean that's for other people but she's yeah, my Yeah.
1: No, I'm I'll make and he even says to the wife when she dies like I'll make sure you don't go in there.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's like well why? Cuz you're you're a virologist and you know why they're doing this cuz it's what you do. But Yeah, and not for him though, but they they're his people though. That's different.
1: <laughs> an interesting thing is like when the daughter is like mommy daddy I'm blind I can't see. They don't talk to her. They talk around her and about her, but never to her. They don't comfort her.
0: Yeah. I I, I think it's very interesting the way this movie kind of creates him as a secret villain that like, he is a villain. You, you sort of see him as kind of gray through a lot of the movie, but by the end you realize like, no, he's just kind of the bad guy, but we've just been watching him and identifying with him because he's said to be the last person. Yeah. um... Until we realize that that's just in his head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh all of these other people are not people because they don't think the same as I do. They don't live the the life the way I do. So,
1: yeah, the scene where he's at the corpse pit at night and
0: uh oh, yeah, where so the right, we his his their their daughter catches it, she goes blind and he goes out knowing that she has it because you know, he's working on the virus. And he yeah. comes home and finds that you know, uh, one of these work crews has come and taken the body away because that's what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The wife had called the doctor, even though he specifically said not to. Yeah. Uh But
0: and then both. the bo- the daughter died. So, yeah, they got to take the corpse away and it, burn it in a huge burn pit.
1: Yes. Yeah, so they go. He goes to the burn pit, which is this huge operation. And he's just. Hassling drivers like, hey, did this truck come from wherever? Is my daughter on this truck? And like this one guy's like, dude, a lot of our daughters are here, including mine.
0: Yeah. And and this is a, a really key moment for me in terms of this uh the, the conservatism concept of it is that he is doing the he he's being a Karen about it. Like, well, oh, you don't understand. Uh it, for me it's different because I'm me so
1: it's different now because it's me
0: yeah it is a completely and it's different now because it's me like it's a hundred percent what he's yelling at this dude it's like dude my own daughter is here i had to do this i am making these sacrifices why are you not able to grow through it and he just can't and he never does yeah so that's why i do think when the wife dies that he is just finished because nothing else applies to him anymore
2: yeah
1: well he wouldn't let the wife die in the burn pit, so he buried her normally, and then she came back. Right. Uh, she's knocking on the door. Morgan, or
0: money! <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if she's like, Morgan!
1: Do you hear, Morgan? Oh, Morgan, zombie Bill Cartman is really, uh, really uh, better in bed than you are, huh? Oh, that's it. I'm killing everybody.
0: Yeah, so like he does stake her, right? Yes. And then I think that's like kind of his last intersection with humanity, because I think then he's just done with it. And then it's like, well, I had to kill my wife as a vampire. I'm going to kill all the vampires.
1: Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, well, actually, yeah, we don't see him stake her. We actually, it's the it ends the flashback right there.
0: Right, right but we know about to. We don't we know, we know kinda... yeah, he he has to because he goes to her crypt <laughs> mm-hmm. and and like that's that's where he is when we have this whole flashback, so we know she's he he would have reburied her there,
1: yeah, so uh, after the flashback, he man when he breaks down laugh crying is so oh, he does it a couple times in this,
0: mhm. And oh, it's yeah, like, so good. Vincent Price, it, it is a hell of a performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. He he really does a whole range. He gets to do his villain stuff. He gets to do his hero stuff. Uh, he gets to be really angry. He gets to be very sad. Like he he really is doing so much work in this movie. Yeah, and it's a yeah. super. It's a real actor's movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He even gets to be a scientist. Yeah, a He's, mad scientist. The lab coat, the lab coat, and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that gets me about like how like he gets home from from the church, but he's not able to put his car in the garage and uh, right, starts cause, smashing it
0: because he's he's fallen asleep at his wife's grave and he misses the entire day. And then he yeah. like wakes up at the end of the day like, oh, shit, I got to get home. <laughs> They're going to be and, rep, ripping up my house.
1: Yeah. And like how quickly and easily he pushes through all these vampires. It's he doesn't need to go on a mass murdering spree they're not that dangerous
0: no they can't seem to get into his house they're annoying but like dude move to a new house
1: yeah it's just and like the the vampire society at large doesn't seem to know where he is uh it's just this one guy who's got it out for him because yeah that's like his his lingering memory
0: yeah, like, it. he he is bringing the retribution down upon himself entirely. Uh, and it's, it's another, like, again, the conservatism thing is, like, he's in this neighborhood and the demographics have changed. And he's like, I don't care the demographics have changed. We need to gentrify the neighborhood then. I'm mean, just going to kill everybody in the neighborhood. And then, you know, it, it'll be just me. It'll be my neighborhood again.
1: So... One thing he says is after Cortman smashes his car, he's like, well, if he think if Cortman thinks he's going to get to me by smashing my car, then his wits have dulled even more than I thought. And it's like, <laughs> you're acknowledging that he's still sentient.
0: Yeah, I mean, he you're obviously is. He knows his name. Like yeah. He's still saying his name every day.
1: You're acknowledging that he's still a person. He's just.
0: He's not You're... he's not the type of person that he is though. You know, he's he's a different sort of person. Only he's a real person.
1: Yeah, I think it really <laughs> is. He's just killing people who are different from him uh because he's upset his wife died and doesn't want to learn this new normal. Oh my fucking god.
0: Yeah, right? Like it's it's kind of just on the surface. And also uh Killer Morgan, Kill her Kill him!
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah.
0: Kill him, because I can't see,
1: Daddy. <laughs> so, uh, after meeting the dog for about five minutes, realizing the dog is a vampire, and then having to kill and bury the dog...
0: Yeah, he stakes the dog. Yeah. And he didn't need to. It, he really didn't need to, because the dog was obviously no threat to him. It wasn't trying to bite him or anything.
1: No, it just had vampire germs i don't even know what what possessed him to look at it under the microscope because the dog I assume wasn't acting weird
0: yeah i assume he just needed to know and then now that he knows he can't live with it and it doesn't make any difference like it really doesn't change anything but like he literally just went and kidnapped someone's dog and killed it right because mm-hmm. it probably was a dog that belonged to one of these regular vampire society people who he is also killing.
2: Yeah.
0: But yeah. this is someone's pet that he, like, uh he saved. Like, it was wounded. Saved. So he, he saves it first, but then he kills it. Because it's like, oh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a vampire. It belongs to them. It's one of those things.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. We never see any of the vampires actually attack him except for Cortman.
0: Yeah, and he has, like, an existing beef. Although the other ones are all trying to get into his place and get to him. Because, like, they do they're they're drawn to his blood? It seems. I guess so. Like, yeah. Th- he does call them vampires for a reason, I guess.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, but he does have special blood too.
0: Right, that's true. Maybe
1: that's what Cortman's after him for. He's like he's like still trying to find a scientific cure even though his brain's all degenerated?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Cortman just seems to be uh like it, it is again, he's on he's on another he's on a loop just like morgan is like they're both on these loops and they're both kind of at the end of their reels but yeah it, it does seem like he is still trying to do something uh whereas morgan just it is interesting like he is immune to it because he got bit by a vampire bat at some point
1: that's his that's or his, his guess yeah. that's his guess yeah he, he
0: says that's the best guess he has yeah so it, it could be a thing where the other vampires are attracted to him and want his blood because of the immunity in it and like can it be transferred to them I mean, like we do learn that it can transfer to ruth when he does a blood transfusion yes uh I ruth we're, we're, we're about to meet right
1: yeah we're ruth, just to. Uh, we actually meet ruth as he's burying the dog yeah. he throws the shovel into the ground and then goes and basically kidnaps her
0: Yeah, he just sees her, and, well, she's she's spying on him. He does not know that she was, like, sent to watch him.
1: Yeah, but but it's in the broad broad daylight, so theoretically she should not be a vampire. She should be a human. Yeah. And it's like, a human, I need to get you, and uh, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not one of them. But he grabs her, like, violently, and, yeah, he drags her back
0: to his place. Yeah, and he finds quickly that she has she's like part vampire. Like she has vampiric elements, but she isn't uh, she's not fully, fully vampiric. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's like, well, I better kill you now. Cause you will be a vampire. And she's like, what? Yeah. And then when I find out where Bill Cortman sleeps, I'm going to kill him too. And she's like, isn't that your friend? Yeah. Like she's I, already appalled by this
0: guy. Yeah. And, and like she comes into his home and he's like, waving the garlic in her face and stuff just like dude And she's like chill out <laughs> yeah
1: and she she goes off on him like wow i've been through all this shit i've watched my husband get ripped apart all this all that and then you're here you fucking grab me drag me over here shove a bunch of garlic in my face um i have an upset stomach
0: okay yeah and, and it's also like uh she she's like why are you why are you living your life this way? I, I don't even understand. Like, w- what purpose does any of this serve? And obviously I pose no threat to you. So why would you need to kill me? Yeah.
1: Eventually he catches her, like, trying to take a dose of medicine. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff that, like, doesn't cure the vampire plague, but keeps it at bay.
0: Yeah, it's like a, a, a sort of partial vaccine. Yeah. Like a booster shot kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah or something like that.
0: And, and and she she breaks like yeah uh, there's a whole bunch of us who are living like this like we kind of have to live at night you know that that's just kind of the way we have to live but we all know you
1: yeah, it's like oh, the, the reveal of it is so good. It's like, so wait, you've had the secret society. Yes. And you have like a partial cure for the vampire plague. Yes. And you want me to join you? No, no. We you all cannot you. join us. We hate you. You have been killing not just the other vampires, but you've been killing us in our sleep in our houses.
0: Yeah, you've been don't like, breaking you. into our homes as a serial killer. You are A terrifying individual to us
1: we literally had to move our entire society out of this city because of you and and we found out that even though you're you were working on this plague you just stopped
0: yeah like you gave up dude we are still working towards some sort of progress you have given up and decided to live in the past in this loop of your life and nothing else
1: we are building we are actually trying to build a new normal here
0: yeah, we're we're trying to rebuild. We're, we're like, making society happen again. And, like, you're out what, there killing us. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is what living with the virus actually looks like. Yeah. He injects her with the stuff, which ends up working.
0: Yeah, and... like he, he is a biochemist. He does basically have the way to cure it. He just didn't have the last little piece. Like, they have enough of a serum that they can start it, and he can finish it with his blood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So she's like, okay, well, I have to warn all the others that you can cure us. And he's like, well, let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. And she's like, uh, no, dude, they're coming tonight.
0: Yeah, they're they're coming uh, here I and they're going right to kill door. you.
1: And he's like, oh. And, uh, and sure enough, they show up
0: immediately. Yeah, and she's trying to, like, she, she has kind of got, gained a little bit of sympathy for him by this point. Like, she realizes that he is not the villain that they have built him up to be, that he is just deluded and does not understand what he's doing. And she's like, just run away. Just just go. I, I have the the serum now, and you know we can work on it, but you have to go, because they're going to kill you, because you're the worst.
1: <laughs> so he does run away, but he also makes sure to uh, take down a lot of them in the process uh, and kill and shoot a bunch of them.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, he's going to go down fighting.
1: Yeah, he didn't have to go down fighting he could have just ran away waited for her to explain what's going on and they'd be like hey guys my bad but then he'd have to admit he's been wrong
0: never never happen
1: nope he gets out onto like they corner him in this church and he gets shot so many times and he's like oh, yeah what does he say like you're all animals or something like that you're yeah. all infected you're mutants i'm the last man
0: Yeah, he has a whole rant about he's the only real human left, and that all of the others, they're fake humans living a fake existence because it's not the one he believes in. Yeah, Which, again, conservatism.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then he gets shot, and Ruth is just kind of like, well, he was kind of a dick.
0: Yeah, although she does say, like, he was the last true man on Earth. <laughs>
1: but then she also was like to the kids, it's like, ah, well, you know, at least we're safe now.
0: Yeah, we're we're safe from him. Yeah. Uh, that th- That's an interesting ending is that like our protagonist has been killed off and it's like, it's OK, we're safe now.
1: <laughs> I think she like sympathized with him, but not enough to be sad that he died
0: yeah and and i think that makes perfect sense uh and and again with with the whole conservatism thing it's where like yeah i mean it's too bad your way of life had to end but it did (laughs) we do need to move forward with society i'm sorry that you can't live your life exactly the way you want to but uh there are other people
2: (laughs) well i should be allowed
1: to not wear a mask in public if I fucking <laughs> want to. Though I don't care who I kill in the process.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm just gonna live my life. Uh, who who are you to tell me to do anything ever? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's given up. He, you know, well, I, everyone's gonna get this. So you know, you're just gonna have to get it, whatever. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but it, it is fascinating to have a movie where you're hero is your villain and it doesn't it doesn't break either mm-hmm. there, there's a twist to it and you realize that he's the bad guy but all along he was like eh, i don't know about the stuff he's doing because it doesn't fully it doesn't seem like he's into it and it doesn't seem like it's doing anything
1: yeah but i i do feel like it's the the other vampires who kill courtman and and the courtman gang yes. and i feel that they're I feel there's a bit of hypocrisy in there.
0: That's true. I I, and mean, I get the
1: idea that, yeah, they may be too far gone, but I don't know. I think maybe Cortman probably could have been saved. He seemed to have a, quite a bit of his mental faculties, not all of them, but more than you'd expect from a zombie.
0: Well, I wonder how they've been continuing to live because they're – they they seem to require blood. So if he's been living as a vampire for like four years, he's probably torn a bunch of people apart and eaten them.
1: Oh, you're right. So Maybe he's the one who injured the dog.
0: Could entirely be. Yeah. So I, I do feel like there there's they They have an understanding that there are uh, an amount of people who are too far gone to save, but they are the ones who just kind of have to keep going. and I agree that there is an element of where the the vampire society are compromised, for sure, because like they, you know they they just have no real options they, The world is kind of destroyed, and they kind of have to do what they have to do.
1: Yeah, that's I mean that's true. They that's true. I mean you have to kill the zombies in the zombie apocalypse uh, so I guess you got to kill the zombie vampires in the zombie vampire apocalypse.
0: Yeah. Uh but it's, yeah, it's it's a fascinating picture. Like such a uh, uh it's it's a real mood piece and it's so downbeat. Like it's surprisingly downbeat for a 60s uh Vincent Price horror movie because you know th- oh, yeah. those are usually the big silly ones you know, oh yeah
1: he's, he's, he's i always thought of vincent price is like the huge ham
0: he he likes to do big theatrical stuff and mm-hmm. you know he's great at it so yeah. it, it sort of works he elevates that stuff but this one it's really interesting where it has him play a hero and then slowly reveal it to be villainous
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the whole time even when i even if you're not looking for the twist the whole time there's always just something a little bit off about him
0: yeah, because he's so depressed, he's so stuck in his rut, and there is—he—he he has no joy. There, there is uh, no life to him. There, there's like he is like the vampires in that he is just living a half life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but yeah, fascinating movie. Did you listen to the Richard Harlan Smith commentary?
1: Uh, not all of it. I did listen to like the first, uh, like the, probably the first hour or so of it. Um, cool. It's interesting because he's pointing out all these landmarks And what they actually are in the city
0: Cool, yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet But I'm a big fan of Harlan Smith's commentaries He's one of my favourites uh, Just depth of knowledge He, he yeah. like knows who every single person Every single thing is
1: <laughs> Yeah, he, he, points, he points out differences uh, Between the book and the movie And mentions Vincent Price was not The author's first choice
2: Right uh, Or <laughs> rather
1: the author didn't like Vincent Price for the role
0: and uh, yeah, I I think Vincent Price is great for it, but I I know he has said that he wanted, or that his ideal is Harrison Ford as the main character, and he wants George Miller as the director would be Ooh. his perfect version of the movie. Ooh, uh, George Miller, maker of Mad Max, uh, the whole Mad Max series for people who yeah. don't know.
1: Uh um, be rad I would love to see it uh, Good luck getting Harrison on board today
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, Harrison Ford is now too old But if it were like If if that had been the version done in 2005 Or whenever it was mm. That would have been good That would have been real good
1: Yeah, well <laughs> The 2005 movie uh, Deviates from the book a lot
0: Apparently so, You haven't seen that one
1: no, uh, no, I have. That was you the have. only other one I had seen, okay, uh, the okay. Will Smith one.
0: Right. I, I think this one's quite faithful.
1: This one is faithful, um, but yeah, the author didn't like that. I think the author didn't like that they made Vincent Price's character too unsympathetic, I think, is what the, the guy was saying.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I he's think...
1: supposed to grow, but he doesn't have that growth because he doesn't have to learn the science.
0: Right. I think that's... I, mean, I, I think it for me, works. Yeah, I think that's the smartest stroke that the movie does. Uh, well, it, every it,
1: other movie after this has him as a scientist,
0: too. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is, is such an easy shorthand. But it's also really brilliant the way it makes him unsympathetic without mm-hmm. making him an outright villain. It It creates him as unsympathetic at the beginning so that it prepares you for the twist even though you don't necessarily see it coming that there's a whole vampire society and that they're not really vampires they're just like people People who who gotta live
1: different now
0: yeah yeah Yeah.
1: um yeah no it's really interesting i i kind of want to see the the heston version now
0: we should definitely watch it sometime it's super different like it's it's so specifically of its time where this one kind of feels like it could have been made '50s, '60s, or '70s.
1: It really does, yeah. It,
0: it doesn't have a real tie to the time, whereas the the '70s one with Heston is like extremely '70s. It's <laughs> really of its time.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm glad there. I'm glad the Last Man on Earth got made. Uh, I'm glad there's different versions of it uh, with differing amounts of faithfulness to the book. I didn't realize the idea of like. The post-apocalypse zombie thing was so old.
0: Yeah, I think the novel created this. Like, I, I think this was the first version of that concept in the fifties, is when the book came out.
1: Wow. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, Matheson I, I, look, it is...
1: feels so new. It feels or so oh, yeah. modern, rather.
0: Well, it's it's like how. Uh, the The modern zombie was created in nineteen sixty eight with night of the living dead it, it's right. just th- this was a really fertile period for that and it's it's kind of because this is right when horror was able to expand when you know the they were finally loosening some of the restrictions in terms of censorship where you could do horrifying stories finally
1: oh yeah and, they they weren't allowed to graphically kill the dog.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they could just they could only show that it has been staked and yeah, it's like know that like You're happens. allowed
1: to have the dog be killed, but don't make a whole ordeal out of it, is what they told him.
0: Although I'm glad. I wouldn't have liked it uh, to, to have been a whole ordeal. No. No. That would have been unpleasant. But, uh, yeah, Matheson is really important in terms of the development of modern horror, for sure. Like, he wrote a lot of the early Twilight Zone, too. Oh. Oh, cool. And, I don't know. He, a lot of he hasn't had a lot of movies based on stuff that I know of. Like the only one I can think of is Stir of Echoes in the nineties, which is pretty good. I don't know it. That's pretty good. I've read the book too, which is very different but interesting. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, talk oh, back to our first one.
1: One degree uh, of Kevin Bacon.
0: Yeah. He uh it, it's the he his house is haunted and he starts digging holes in the backyard. I don't really remember a lot about it because I haven't seen it since <laughs> the 90s, but I liked it a lot then. Cool. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, any last thoughts on The Last Man on Earth before huh? we head into our super-sized part three? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's going to be a big one. Uh,
1: are there any other movies where Vincent Price like gets to be an actor like this one?
0: Uh, Probably. I,
2: are, are there I, I, any I'm,
0: off the top of your head, I mean? I've like, definitely yeah. seen a few. I mean, like, I did watch another Vincent Price in the past week that's pretty good. One of his other really iconic ones, uh, The Abominable Dr. Fives. Oh. Which is uh, really fun that there that was I think it's the only one where he's the title character and got a sequel out of it. Uh, oh. although he he's playing a guy who's undead, and his voice only comes through a speaker.
1: So oh. he doesn't
0: <laughs> talk for most of the movie, which is a really oh. odd choice, interesting, and you got to hear that voice, right?
1: That's the what, kind of what you hire him for, isn't it
0: Yeah. Uh, There's one I saw recently called Leave Her to Heaven, which is like a really classic 40s noir uh, that he's not like the main character, but he's a fairly significant uh, side character where he does some fun stuff. I think Uh, Baron of Arizona is a really fun Samuel, Samuel Fuller one where he's this guy. It's based on a real historical figure who declared himself the Baron of Arizona back in, you know, it pre-confederation right 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 uh so he just claims the whole territory as a con man uh, and it's just this weird western
1: oh interesting
0: where he's he's like a con man who claims himself as the sovereign baron of all of arizona that one's pretty cool
1: (laughs) right on that sounds like fun
2: yeah
0: Yeah,
1: interesting um definitely want to get into more of his stuff
0: most Uh, certainly
1: yeah like both the hammy horror stuff and the real acting stuff
0: yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that he did with AIP like this one, American International Pictures under Corman, Roger Corman. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and that's like his best known period. He did tons and tons of movies with him. There's like uh, the Dr. Goldfoot movies, which are really weird. Uh, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine and Dr. Goldfoot <laughs> and the Girl Bombs.
1: Rob Zombie references that in one of his songs.
0: Yeah, it's it's a Mario Bava film, which is oh, really shit. weird uh, cool. uh, A Bava film made for AIP mm. uh, I guess, like, probably in terms of his great role Like, the one that people would say is, like, his great acting role Would be Witchfinder General Where he is Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General Oh, oh So it's like, uh, what's that one we covered? From the folk horror Witchhammer It's like Witchhammer But it's Vincent Price You know That one is intense Very very good
1: Oh my god That sounds terrifying Actually
0: And that's from 68 So same year as uh, Night of the Living Dead Just a few years after this
1: Cool cool All right, well I got some homework to do
0: (laughs) Yeah well I've got loads of these movies I'm a huge Vincent Price fan We'll definitely dig into more of his in the future And of course you know uh he was the, the narrator in Michael Jackson's thriller. Of course. <laughs> uh
1: he was the he was the rat in the great mouse detective.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I watched that not that long or ago. Or rather Pro- the big Pro- Professor Radigan.
1: Professor Radigan. Don't call him a rat though.
0: Oh uh, that movie has one of my favorite bits because uh <laughs> There's a part where he catches them and he has a record that he has specially pressed that is to uh, taunt people who he has caught. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. uh, Any last thoughts before we head on into part three? No, it's going to be a big one. So it sure will get into her. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we're back for part three. The Watched Stacks. So we, we missed the week after Halloween, so I was not able to talk about my conclusion to my attempt to do th- three movies a day for every day in October. And I fucking did it. I, I it did uh, it. I managed. I got 94 total for this. Holy the, shit. Uh,
1: That's just over.
0: It's just over. It, it was... Uh, yeah, it was 94, uh, 93 was a Vincent Price film, as a matter of fact. But we'll get to that in a little bit, because we got 29 movies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, although three of them are ones that we've covered before, so are ineligible, so they're not even on the list. But I'll, I'll mention them in passing. Okay. So first up, we've got Bug. It's a final uh, production from William Castle, who's like a really big 50s horror schlockmeister i like have you ever seen do you know the tingler Uh,
1: the name rings a bell but i don't think i've seen it
0: i believe it's another classic vincent price one but the the concept of it was there's this thing called the tingler it's the spine tingler right right and fear is, is what stops it so it's it's the source of fear and like it's attached to people's spines and it dies from screams or something <laughs> What? like it, it it's like this monster that like is is inside your spine and like if you scream it kills it so it doesn't kill you and there's this break in the movie where like i i'm pretty sure it is a vincent price movie and like the lights come up in the theater in the middle of the movie and like Vincent Price's voice comes on in voiceover and it's like, scream, scream for your lives. The thing <laughs> is loose in the theater. Oh my God, that sounds so fun. So this was William's Castle kind of thing. William Castle's sort of thing. He he loved to do big external to the movie stuff. Like, he, he was a big pioneer of that, like shocks in seats and stuff.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, like Oh, like uh, when we watched... I think it was like, what was it called? D-Box, I think. We watched Blair <laughs> Witch the Ride.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Blair Witch Project remake uh in D Box. That was fun. It was. I mean, I, I've i seen a couple movies and it's not a good way to see most movies. Like it was no. bizarre watching Doctor Strange like that. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh it would be to like th- that is William Castle's dream, would be D Box.
2: Mm,
0: all right. So Castle died in 76 or 75 and this was his final production called Bug and it's so weird he didn't direct this one he just produced it. it's directed by Janos Schwark who did Jaws 2 I think yeah I think he did Jaws 2 and it's there there's this big earthquake in California and a big crevasse opens and all of these extremely dense heavily armored blind cockroaches pour out
1: oh that sounds terrible
0: it's it's really terrible because they are they they start fires because they're they're full of lighter fluid (laughs) oh god (laughs) they're they're from the center of the earth
1: come from michael (laughs)
0: they're they're like from the center of the earth so they're like heavily pressurized so they're super dense you can't get them off of you. They get on you and they just like start you on fire and then turn you into ash so they can eat you because they eat ashes. All right. So it's 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 twisted. Uh, Yeah. It's it's really strange. It's It's weird, though, because it seems like it's going to be this big apocalyptic thriller and then like halfway through the movie, maybe less they defeat the threat but there's one scientist who's been driven mad by it so he just keeps studying them and he makes it worse again <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really weird mix of like the 50s giant monster movie and then like 70s super bleak uh, characterization, where it's like, yeah, this guy just loses his mind because it's it's much like the Vincent Price thing. His wife dies, and then oh. uh, he loses his mind, and he gets so obsessed with his research into it that he just loses sight of why he's doing it. Strange movie, uh, very unpleasant. There is a part where a cat is killed by oh. the the cockroaches. Uh, it's like the first victim in the movie, and it's like. I don't know, it's uh, there. Uh, you know, cockroaches setting a cat on fire. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. i think I'll pass. <laughs> I think you will pass. <laughs> uh, next up is The Dead Zone, uh, Cronenberg's '80s Stephen King adaptation. Oh, he got to do one. Yeah, pretty much all the big horror directors had to do one. You know?
1: <laughs> well, I think there's. I, I heard a rumor that like he was selling uh, rights to some of his properties for like five bucks to college kids
0: just to see what they do. Oh, it's, it's just a standing offer for him. It's like if someone wants to make one of my movies into a student film, uh, you can just license it for a dollar because I don't care. I, I'm happy to see new filmmakers try to work on my work. I, I think Stephen King's a pretty cool guy about this sort of stuff.
1: And I think, you know what, I think he's right that Elon Musk should have paid him to be on Twitter.
0: <laughs> he is right. <laughs> so uh, The Dead Zone, did you ever watch the TV series with Anthony Michael Hall?
1: I don't think so. Uh,
0: pretty good show. I I kind of really loved it at the time, but I have no idea if it still holds up. But it's it's a really interesting concept. It, it was his political paranoia movie or or book where okay it it was like the the first like Stephen King has for a very long time been concerned about uh, the religious right taking over government and uh destroying america and this was his his book about it
1: they'll never do
0: that (laughs) because so christopher walken stars in this he's the main character and he's fucking amazing in this he's this guy who's in a car accident and then he's in a coma for like five years and he wakes up with psychic powers He can see the future uh, by touching people or touching things, he can see things. Like he has visions about what has happened, what will happen. All right. Uh, and he's he was engaged when he went into the coma, and then you know his his fiance has moved on and now has a kid and is married to this guy who's campaigning for this asshole. Right. Okay. And then it turns out he you know the the crazy asshole who's running for Congress. Uh, who's just, you know, this populist madman who is crazy far-right religious, is played by Martin Sheen, which oh, great. Right.
1: All right. He's he's fun.
0: And, you know, at some point he encounters him and he shakes his hand and he realizes this guy's going to start World War Three, So he decides he's going to have to take him down. Okay very fascinating movie like bleak very grim but like beautifully shot you know it's cronenberg so it's it's very elaborate because it's you know it's it's further into his career it's a full decade after shivers oh okay right on uh yeah really good movie like maybe one of the best stephen king adaptations certainly up there
1: all right and that's dead zone it's called
0: the dead zone or
1: the dead zone right on yeah cool
0: uh next up is haksan uh, the I, I can't remember. It, this it has a subtitle about uh, some of the the history of witchcraft. Uh, it, it's a Swedish film, a silent film from the 20s, uh, and it's 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 sort of a a folk history of witchcraft, but more about how witchcraft has been used as an excuse to oppress women through history. Uh, so it, it's it's a it very it has been used that way yes indeed and it's a very progressive documentary especially for 1922 where oh, it's like <laughs> just laying out that yeah uh, this has just been a, used as an excuse to oppress women throughout history and oppress the poor and and it it has all these great like elaborate stop motion and animated and uh, like you know early special effects pieces to show what people believed witchcraft to be at various points in time. Okay. So, like all of the sequences that are that we hear about in of people flying to, you know, uh, whatever the place was called.
1: Peter uh, Rock.
0: Peter's Rock. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you know everybody flies to don't Peter's Rock. Don't pretend you
1: don't know. You were there.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I was there, and I, uh, yeah, they they all you know it it shows them flying on brooms to it. And it shows them all kissing the devil's bum. It's great. It's oh, really fun.
1: right.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's 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 a really good time. It's uh, th- there's two versions of it. Uh, uh, I've got the Criterion disc, and it's got the original cut. And then there's a version in the '60s that they got an avant-garde jazz group to play music over it, and William S. Burroughs to narrate it, which is totally rad too. Okay. Uh, next up is Lawnmower two, Lawnmower Man Two: Jobs War, uh, A.K.A. Beyond Cyberspace. <laughs> all right <laughs> did you ever see lawnmower man
1: i never saw lawnmower man
0: it is a stephen king adaptation that was so bad he had his name taken off it and he <gasps> appears in the movie the first oh, one no. so the second one i mean he already had his name taken off the first this one has nothing to do with the first one and nothing <laughs> to do with the original story because okay. like the lawnmower man short story is about this guy who hires a guy to mow his lawn and he shows up, and he has this uh, remote-controlled lawnmower that mows the lawn on its own. Uh, okay. But and and the guy, or no, I can't remember. It's been years since I. I know there's a remote-controlled lawnmower, <coughs> but there's also a thing with uh, the 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 thing is the guy realizes that the the lawnmower man is actually just out trimming it, the lawn with his teeth, like eating the grass. And then uh, he kills him with the lawnmower. Like the, the lawnmower kills him. Very short story. Like it's, it's like 10 pages. So that scene is in the movie. There, there is a scene where someone gets mulched by a lawnmower. uh a, right. Like uh, a remote controlled one. And that's the only relation to the short story in the original <laughs> movie. And then it becomes a thing where like they're creating AI and it's got I think it's. Pierce Brosnan, he does not come back for number two. <laughs> it, it becomes a guy who ends up a digital man. Uh, and this one, there's they've rescued him, and he's been recast. It's Matt Frewer, you know, Max Headroom. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And he's doing Max Headroom, but doing it as Jim Carrey's Riddler, because it's 1996, <laughs> it's the next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's just him as... Uh, a digital human being who's like trying to take over the world, obviously, and it's it's the near future, so it's a dystopia, but it doesn't really make sense. Like none of it really fits together. I don't understand how this dystopia happens or works or how it's supposed to be the future. <laughs> All right, it's very dumb. It's kind of a kids' movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, I watch Halloween. Obviously, we've covered that already. It's still fucking rules. Perfect. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, next up, Event Horizon. Talking oh, about I saw 90s that horror.
1: Like, I saw it in the 90s, and I only barely remember what it's about.
0: I saw it on VHS at the time too. Uh, it aged better than I expected, actually. Okay. It's like just Hellraiser in space. It's completely right. Hellraiser in space. Uh, the, like it's it's Hellraiser on the Nostromo. You know. <laughs> Uh, Like aliens, Nostromo. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's you know, you got your space marines, you've got the uh, big ship, and you know the 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 thing is, they there's this huge space disaster where this ship called the Event Horizon disappeared or was lost. I, I think the the official story is that it was lost, but technically it just vanished. Right. So the the movie is about this rescue crew who have been sent to go salvage it. Uh, but you know, it turns out that it, it used this light drive, the, this faster-than-light teleportation drive that creates black holes, and oh, it, and doesn't it open
1: a portal to hell or something?
0: Yeah, it's it like hell is like a parallel universe, so it's bleeding into the reality because it's now created this thin spot because of the black hole it created, where it folded space. Right. Pretty cool, honestly. Uh, Sam Neill is really great as uh, the the engineer. Some okay. of the effects are aged poorly. <laughs> there, there's some bad CG. It's the 90s that happened. But there's less of it than I remembered. Uh, and okay. it's, you know, it's it's pretty good in terms of its atmosphere. Like better than I recalled it being, and it's not as winky as most stuff of this era. Because like, you know, Scream was 96. Yeah and most 90s horror after that gets really jokey and this doesn't have much of that and i was i was pleasantly surprised that it didn't
1: cool cool i remember thinking it was scarier than i thought it was going to be
0: mhm uh it, it's definitely paul w s anderson's best movie like by a country mile okay uh he also did mortal Kombat. Uh, he did the first GI Joe movie. Okay. He did Van Helsing, which is a movie that I saw for free and wanted my money back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is Halloween Five: The Revenge of Michael Myers, <laughs> the my favorite, really silly one. <laughs> oh, is this uh,
1: this is the Paul Red one, isn't it?
0: No, that's number 6. Oh, okay. That's the one where it gets stupid. This is the one where it's fun silly. <laughs> it's it's a mess. It's uh th- this is the one that has uh Michael stealing a guy's car and like driving around in it and trying to chase after his niece on a Christmas tree farm, like running over Christmas trees. <laughs> like there, there's a sequence where you see Michael Myers you know, POV, you know, it's the killer POV, but like he's driving a Mustang through a, a field of Christmas trees after a small girl in a clown outfit. Uh, <laughs> Donald Pleasance is so over the top in this one. This is the one where I've mentioned he he has somehow set up a net in the Myers home that falls on Michael and then he just beats him with a two by four.
1: <laughs> well, we haven't tried uh, a we haven't tried a open box with a carrot underneath it.
0: Yeah. Uh, th- this is the one that introduces the concept of the c- the thorn cult, which is what leads oh. into all of the bullshit of Six. But in this one, it just involves there's this guy dressed all in black as a cowboy who we never see his face, but he seems to be really menacing. And we just get all of these shots of him going places and getting off buses. <laughs> And then at the end, he breaks Michael out of prison because they put Michael in jail at the end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. Oh, ma- I'm, Please. I'm just imagining the, the trial of Michael Myers.
0: Yeah, what would it be? Also, the revenge of Michael Myers? What does he have to get revenge on? That's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Doesn't He hasn't been wronged.
0: Absolutely my favorite thing about this movie is that it's the one that has the the killers the the horror setting that would kill me is it's the barn full of kittens <laughs> like oh there are kittens in the barn and everyone goes out to pet the kittens and they get killed by Michael. <laughs>
1: oh. uh, is he? Uh, I know in in like some of the movies he's like the Terminator. Like in Halloween Kills, he's the Terminator.
0: He's kind of. On that trajectory, here he's definitely like zombie esque at this point, okay. Yeah, he's he's fully supernatural in this one for sure. Okay, uh, next up, I watched The Shining, of course, still a awesome. goddamn masterpiece. We have covered that one as well. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, it's just a perfect movie, you know, uh, top five movies uh, of all so time.
2: Good, yeah. Uh,
0: next up, The Devil, or sorry, Devil Story. Uh, how uh, you say Les Spookies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine Spookies if it was a French art film. Uh, <laughs>
1: oh man! And also by one two movie. different groups.
0: Oh, sorry. No, this one's all just one movie, but they're a mess. It's it's. Just, <laughs> uh, I've talked about this one a while back. I think I watched it last October as well. It, there's it's there's this guy who has a big castle and. His serving lady has a mutant son who's a zombie Nazi who's killing people. And there's a ghost galleon, like pirate ship, inside a mountain with with mummies in it. (laughs) And the mummies want to get out, right? (laughs) And there's like this demon horse that's running around because... People on this coast used to light fires to cause shipwrecks. And that's how the galleon ended up in the mountain, obviously. And so there's a demon horse running around from, you know, the the people who were bad, who were uh, lighting fires. And there's a magical cat that is like, uh, uh, I don't know what the magical cat does, honestly, because it it like jumps off a cliff. And then there's the lady goes to see it. And then, you know, she realizes that the ship is in the mountain somehow. (laughs) And the horses always run around at
1: a ghost (laughs) ship in the mountains inside the mountain.
0: Yeah, it's in the mountain and like there's, you know, uh, ultimately, I think there's uh, uh, an earthquake and the mountain cracks open and the ship comes out and then the mummies come out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Total nonsense.
1: Uh, Those Egyptian pirates from uh, 4000 BC with their cadets and pirate ships
0: yeah and, and i think when i mentioned it last year i talked about how the guy who owns the castle just spends the whole movie trying to shoot at this horse in a field and it just keeps running back and forth past him weird movie oh God. uh oh. sorry go ahead
1: no, no, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> i think i just need to take a moment <laughs> okay i think i'm good
0: So that brings us up to where we got together and watched Abracadabra and The Witch, if you have any thoughts on those that we want to talk about. Oh, yes.
1: Um, Oh, gosh, it's been so long. It
0: has been a while. Uh, Abracadabra, Um, obviously, the very wacky. Oh, that's that
1: Jello um, that looks like it's from the 70s, but it's from like 2018.
0: That's the one, yeah.
1: And where he's the magician, and he and he's also the cop, and he's the girlfriend.
0: <laughs> he's everyone. Uh, the the ending is so funny to that movie. I don't know why people don't realize this movie's a comedy.
1: <laughs> he's just he's in the driver's seat. He's
0: just driving. <laughs> yeah, he he looks in the mirror and sees his sees the other guy's eyes, and then he just like becomes him. Like, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're doing now. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, But The Witch, kind of a masterpiece, right? It's really good. Yeah, it's a cool movie, very moody.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, Next up, I watched Jacko. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, No budget, zero budget. (laughs) Um, This is that one that I talked about a few months back that I watched the first time. It's got this kid whose parents are running a haunted garage attraction on Halloween. right. Instead of watching him, they hire three babysitters. (laughs) Three? Well, they hire two. There's also just this random lady who follows him home and shows up in their house. And the mom is just like weirded out by this lady all night. So I think that's why she gets the babysitters. But like she gets two babysitters and one of them escapes out the window because she doesn't want to. (laughs) Okay. And there's a pumpkin man running around, Jacko. Of course. Uh, Uh, he he's got a pumpkin head and a scythe, and he's uh he he kills the conservative neighbors, and I don't know if he really does much else. He, he there's some really <laughs> annoying conservative neighbors who won't give candy to trick or treaters, and oh, then Jacko jerks. shows up, and yeah, they're they're jerks. So their house gets toilet papered, and then they get murdered, which is funny. Uh, <laughs> one of them he doesn't even kill; she just like. Has the toaster going, and she is startled by him, and she falls into the toaster with the (laughs) and electrocutes herself. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's like it plays like a Nickelodeon movie, like made for TV for kids, but it's got excess nudity and gore. (laughs) Okay, very strange tone. Right on. Uh, Next up, we've got "Nightmares Come at Night," which is a Jess Franco you know, hazy sex nightmare stuff as usual. Uh, This is one of his first uh, really dreamy ones. This is where he kind of started to develop his style. And it's about, (laughs) there's like this lesbian relationship. One's a sub and one's a dom. Uh And the, the sub has these paranoid delusions about what's going on, but, She is also being gaslit by the Dom because she's a jewel thief, but I don't know if she's a jewel thief on purpose. I think she was hypnotized into jewel thievery by the other Uh jewel thieves who were spying on them and live next door and are also trying to have sexual liaisons with them. And I don't know. It was it's hard to follow, but it was fun. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, Next up is Hot Snake. Uh, this is a Mexican revenge supernatural western. Ooh! Uh, it's it's it goes really hard, like right in the opening, like cold open. A gunfighter comes and guns down a bunch of people. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, stagecoach robbery type thing, right? Right. But he just shows up and shoots all of them, and then starts having sex with one of the corpses, and that's oh. when the credits start. It's like, wow, that is a Hard open for a western.
2: Yeah, wow. I've never
0: seen that before. Oh. <laughs> so then this guy he goes and he makes a deal with a witch so that he can get supernatural vengeance on people. I don't know what the vengeance is for. Uh the the this is the other one where like so many snakes being killed on screen for real. Oh. Unfortunately. Because it's a very interesting movie, but uh that that stuff did definitely turn me off quite a bit. Because there's yeah. a lot of it in it.
1: Oh, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up is Scared to Death, an alien knockoff. The year oh. late, and it's in 1980, so it's right after. But it's like really low budget, so it's taking place in a parking garage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know similar idea, similar vibe, uh, similar sense of isolation.
0: It's very like it's similarly really slow moving and quiet. Uh, it, it, it's it's got like it, its tongue can lay eggs in people but like it it doesn't it's, there's not a face hugger situation it's just like a okay. roving thing that can impregnate people with its tongue when it attacks them okay. uh you know minor alien knockoff not a great one all right uh next up is nine guests for a crime it's the i think the last one in the uh vinegar syndrome forgotten gialli number five okay so it's a sunny, sun, sun-drenched giallo uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, and it's based on Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, which oh, okay. a lot of giallos are based on. It's like one of the most popular texts. I actually don't know that one. <laughs> uh, family who have a lot of secrets, all get together, or I guess not necessarily family. I think it's usually for some sort of well-reading. Uh, that, that's usually kind of the concept. I can't. I have read the original book, but that goes back to elementary school but uh this one you know they're they're on this island and it's a family reunion but it it starts off with this flashback where we see several of the family members murder this guy and bury them al- bury him alive okay so there's obviously revenge to be got on all of these people they're obviously all real scumbags so as they're all picked off one by one you sort of don't feel too bad about it <laughs> uh,
1: oh good i i do kind of uh it's a lot more fun when, when you want them to die.
0: I don't know. I, I feel it varies because I think Friday the 13th, uh, the, as we were talking about earlier, works brilliantly even though we have all these characters that are reasonably likable. They all seem pretty normal and down to earth. Yeah. And, and it gives more tension to it, but it, it sort of depends on the style of the film. Like if you're going for one where it's just a roller coaster ride. It is kind of fun for them to just be jerks.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you're glorifying the kills.
0: Right. Yeah. Although that, I guess that's not usually a thing with Yellow. Yellow is usually no, they... hardcore, nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up is Killer Nun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, what's that about?
0: So this was based on a true story from like a couple years prior to it coming out about this nun in Belgium who was running a senior care ward or something in a hospital. And uh, there, there was a series of killings. And so it is her, she she's a nun for some reason, who is also a nurse who is addicted to heroin and just extremely horny all the time for anyone. Uh, and okay. she just terrorizes these poor elderly people who live in this hospice. And it's, Oh, no. uh, it's quite mean. Like it's it's a very nasty video nasty. Th- this was one of the video nasties, like the oh, last, okay. I think. But uh yeah, it it's they make it into a slasher basically. Uh, a a nunsploitation hospital slasher, but based on a true story from like 2 years before. <laughs> mm, that's it's kind of intense.
1: Kind of seems to, kind of seems like it's in bad taste a little bit
0: a little bit i mean you know it's an italian horror movie they they go far well that. they are yeah that, that's 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 an earmark of the italian horror genre they go further than anyone else uh, next up is is don't go in the house another major video nasty uh, and a great one it's just don't go in the house and then don't go in the house just
1: don't do it this I'm one want on to shower
0: though well well this one it's this guy who just keeps bringing women back to his house and he kills them So it's like, don't go in this guy's house Uh, is pretty easy to not do. And he he just kind of talks people into coming to his house is the thing. But his thing is he was abused as a child by his mother. She would burn him on the stove when he was bad. So he's associated fire with uh, justice and, you know, punishment with justice. And uh, his mom dies after years of abusing him. And he just loses his grip and he starts uh, he, he builds this metal room in the basement, all steel and then he finds a World War II firefighting outfit oh, no. which is a very creepy image, like him in this huge asbestos suit and yeah. he buys a flamethrower and he chains women up naked and burns them to death in the steel room, very intense the the effects are incredibly impressive, they only do it once but it is Shocking how good it works. Uh, but a yeah, great movie, like uh, one of the very best of the video nasties. It's one of those that's very intense and psychological, but then it also has a part where he goes to a disco and lights someone's hair on fire. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> disco soundtrack the whole time, too. Rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up, we got some Vincent Price, the abominable Dr. Fives. Uh, of course, Vincent Price is Fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his thing is, his wife died on the operating table, so all of the doctors who were present, he's killing them off one by one with the plagues of Egypt. Uh the plagues of Egypt? Yeah, uh, in quotes, like loosely. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, they're, they're very loose. So there, there's a part where a guy's in a plane, and it turns out he's filled up the plane with rats, and rats just swarm all over the guy and the plane crashes.
1: That's kind (laughs) of what
0: happened in Egypt. It was a plague of rats. Uh, They got on the airplane. Yeah, and there's a part... I don't recall exactly what plague this relates to, but there's a part where he fires a brass unicorn head from a catapult across the street into a restaurant through somebody. That rules. (laughs) Sure. But I, I mentioned this earlier. He has... No voice in the movie so, uh, Until he starts talking through a speaker So he's mostly just playing the organ And looking very serious Oh, okay It's it's wild, it's it's one of his great pop art ones Next up is Mandy My closer to Halloween The last one I watched on the 31st uh, uh, you,
1: You've always loved that one, haven't you?
0: <laughs> loved it from the first time I saw it I saw it on September 30th In theatre when it came out and uh, this is the first year I did not watch it on September 30th again to kick off Halloween. This time I ended it with oh. Mandy. I don't know. I, I might go back to start kicking it off with it next year. Because, man, <laughs> that movie's so good. And I, oh, man. It was worth the wait. But, and it, it deserves the buildup. But, I don't know. It feels like it threw the whole month off. <laughs> not yeah, watching I, its the beginning.
1: I think I only ever saw it the one time
0: it's so good uh nicholas cage in one of his best modern roles uh just visually totally incredible panos Cosmatos has such a an incredible visual style local guy by the way from victoria Uh, yeah that's right yeah although this wasn't shot in victoria or, or it wasn't shot in bc it looks like the pacific northwest and is based in the pacific northwest
1: yeah but also like doesn't part of it take place or look like it takes place on an alien planet or something
0: Eh, not really because it's no. it's he's he is uh like a guy who lives in like the B C the northern bc woods right. as a logger and they have their little cabin in the woods and there's this weird christian cult and the leader takes a fancy to his wife mandy and they kidnap her and then she insults him because she is not into his cult leader bullshit uh, right. So they kill her, so he has to go get revenge. Cage obviously gets revenge. Yeah. So it's it's the thing. Uh, there, there's no alien planet or stuff, but there's the biker compound for like right. the bikers who took all the acid and went insane.
1: Yeah. Right. And I thought they were monsters.
0: Um... They're kind of monstrous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Awesome movie. So cool. Rad. Uh, next up for your eyes only. Uh. Roger Moore Bond, oh. uh, it's it's in the Alps. There's a really amazing ski stunt sequence. And Topol is one of his, is, is like Bond's ally. You know, like Topol? sometimes Bond, Topol, uh, Fiddler on the Roof, Topol. No? no.
2: He's,
0: he's, he's one of these one-name actors. He's known pretty much exclusively for being Fiddler on the Roof because he was okay. Fiddler on the Roof in the movie. And then he played him on all the time on stage like for years and years and years and years like just nothing else he did because he was apparently really difficult to work with on movies so (laughs) he didn't get hired much right (laughs) it's kind of just a generic bond movie uh i don't know the plot there (laughs) i don't remember Uh, i've watched it a few times and It's one that just always just goes through me like vaporwave. It's very 80s. I don't know what happened in it, but there's like a lady with a crossbow and there's a ski sequence in the Alps and Topol and (laughs) that's. Yeah,
1: I think the skiing thing is the only thing I remember because I've seen this one.
0: Oh yeah, I think you were there for that movie night.
1: (laughs) I remember nothing but like that he goes on
0: skis. Right, and that sequence is amazing, but. Uh, The insert shots of Roger Moore In all of the action sequences Where he's self-evidently Not in the same universe (laughs) as what's happening Are so bad like It it really takes you out of it Uh, Next one, Octopussy The next Roger Moore Bond Zany
1: (laughs) Are you doing a Roger Moore rewatch?
0: Yeah, uh, I I think there's only one more After this, View to a Kill Uh, I'll get to that one in a bit But uh, yeah, Octopussy a lot more fun than for your eyes only like much sillier Uh,
1: this one i don't think i've seen
0: so this one it's uh there there's a rogue russian general who's stolen a nuclear warhead and he wants to detonate it to start world war three basically or to kind of a cold war thing you know it's the 80s Uh, that's the plot of
1: all of them isn't it
0: it's a lot of them. This one has Roger Moore dress up as a clown, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. He's hiding out in a circus uh, in Eastern Europe. And there's, there's a lot of train stuff, which is kind of fun. Obviously, there's a lady called Octopussy. Of course. <laughs> and, and she has a whole lady spy uh, network of her own. It's silly. It's very heightened. Okay. Next up, we've got Evil Tunes. Which was uh, featured on a recent uh, on the Halloween Red Letter Media Best of the Worst. So I decided to watch it before watching their episode because I had it in a stack. I was like, "Oh hey, I have an autographed copy of that. I should watch (laughs) that finally." Is it good? (laughs) It's kind of fun. It's very silly. It's like so. Fred Olin Ray is one of the is, is like a real inheritor of the Al Adamson style. Ooh, and. This is him doing The Evil Dead as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> oh. oh,
1: wow. That actually, <laughs> that sounds like it would go to, that sounds like it would go together really good, actually.
0: It probably would. The thing is, they had like a $2 budget, right?
1: Like, Oh, I, that, well, you can't do Roger Rabbit on a $2 budget. You need like four bucks at least.
0: There's fully 21 seconds of animation in the film. So there's not a lot. They 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 couldn't do much. They 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 resu- they you know they they find the book in the cabin and they read it and it looses the demon and it's an animated demon, but it doesn't do a whole lot. It most mostly goes wah, 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 naked woman and then it disappears. <laughs> but like, I I I had to do the calculations when I was watching it in terms of budget because. I, I, I was reading an anecdote about how Fred Olin Ray wanted Corman to produce it, Roger Corman, mm-hmm. and he proposed a $250,000 budget. And Roger Corman is like, that's stupid. You can't make that movie for that amount of money. So he rejected it. So Fred Olin, may, Fred Olin Ray made it for $140,000, okay. uh, which is a third of the budget of Evil Dead. <laughs>
1: Oh, an Evil Dead is Evil famous dead. for having no budget.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that calculates out 2.0002% of Roger Rabbit's budgets. So you're not ever going to get anywhere close to that. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Copious, copious nudity uh, almost the whole time because two of the lead women are adult film stars. So, just breasts all the time, just constantly. Uh, Dick Miller's in it. That guy, Dick Miller, big fan of him. Uh, There's a scene where he just watches a whole scene of himself from a movie he was in in the 50s and he's like, (laughs) man, why did this guy never win an Oscar? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Also, David Carradine's in it, just lurking outside people's house most of the time. He doesn't really have much to do because they couldn't afford to have him on set for very long. Next up is Alien Three. Oh. Um the first Fincher movie. His his movie right before seven.
1: Which uh I I think we discussed. Uh he doesn't talk about this one.
0: Yeah, he disowned this one. It kind of got taken away from him. He sort of entered it already in motion. Like there was oh. no they didn't have a finished script. They had like several different warring scripts, and he got and like they were already shooting and he was brought on. And yeah, it's it's a mess. It's a total disaster. It's, it's amazing. It's as good as it is. And I think it's a good movie. I just don't enjoy watching it. Like it's not fun.
1: That's I remember never liking this one. I haven't seen it in a very long time. But like when I was going through, oh, gosh, this would have been like the early aughts. I was going through all the alien movies that existed at the time. Mm-hmm. And this was my least favorite by far.
0: I think I always liked four less. Uh, I do think oh, this is. 4 four's got issues. Yeah, you know, four has some pretty serious issues. Uh, but, like, there, there's a lot of things I like about this one. Because, like, the cast is fantastic. you got a really deep cast of interesting character actors in this. Like, Charles Dance is really good. Charles oh. S. Dutton is really good. Pete Postlethwaite is great. Oh, cool. uh, and and it's an interesting setting you know it's on a prison planet uh i i know the beef most people have with it is of course they kill off newt and uh hicks right before the movie starts but i mean what were you gonna do have a movie where she has a whole support network and stuff that doesn't really work for mm-hmm. alien like if if she was landing on this prison planet with three people who could back her up that just i mean it it wouldn't have any tension no so no. so i completely understand that part and i don't really have any beef with that i just don't find it fun most of the time it's so brown <laughs> like like seven it has that really brown gray palette all the time it it's just kind of a bummer really brown. yeah uh next up is blood guts and sunshine which is a really in-depth look at horror made in Florida. Oh. Which was interesting, but it spends too much time in the SOV horror. Like, it's kind of almost exclusively that because it's made by a guy who is in that scene and knows everyone else in that scene, and they're all buds. So it's mostly just all of those people hanging out talking about their movies. Okay. And that's kind of interesting, but I'm much more interested in the 60s to 80s stuff where it's movies that i've actually seen or will <laughs> see at some point and yeah. you know I, I like i've seen some of the great sov stuff from the early ones like tim kincaid's uh, truth or dare which is totally bonkers but uh, uh most of the stuff like they're talking about a lot of stuff in like the late 90s and aughts and like i'm just not interested in any of that stuff at all
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it's a lot of that and it's a lot about all of the infighting and all of the Petty um, jealousies they have with each other And it's it's oh too geez. bad because I really love The early stuff where they're talking about Herschel Gordon-Lewis and William Graffay mm-hmm. uh, Griffet, of course we've talked about He did uh, uh, What's that one? The Jellyfish movie Sting of Death Oh right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So like the, the stuff on Graffay and the stuff on Herschel Gordon-Lewis Are really interesting but it kind of Loses me As it goes along and it becomes very Much about just shot on video horror and the people who make it and all of those guys who know each other okay next up is the strangeness another little indie micro budget horror movie uh right. pretty slow moving like really really low budget like made in someone's backyard low budget but oh, okay. uh, impressive in terms of what they were able to pull off with it okay i i, I was reading nightmare usa this book on regional horror and they have a whole chapter on this one and uh, i i totally did not realize that this was not shot in a mine but shot in like uh tinfoil that they've painted to look like a mine i i just assumed it was real because it looks like a real cave oh wow uh, okay it's very darkly lit like the whole movie mm-hmm. is very very dim it's exclusively lit by lantern light uh, and it's just these people trapped in a cave who encounter this huge Cthulhu-esque monster. And they, they, they uh, it's a stop-motion monster that's super well-realized. Oh, cool. Also has a really great early horror synth score.
1: Oh, gotta love those.
0: Uh, next up, we've got Full Metal Jacket.
1: I have seen the first half of the movie and not the second half of the movie. And I've only seen the first half the one time. And I can tell you almost everything that happens in it.
0: Because it is just like, yeah, it, it is one of those perfect sequences in a film that etches itself into everybody's brain and will never go away. Like, Arlie Lee Ermey had a career after this. as, as an Yeah, actor. yeah.
1: Yeah, wasn't he like not an actor, just an actual drill sergeant who came on to, as a consultant and they just put him in front of camera?
0: Well, it, it's it's a bit of that. Like he was a technical advisor, and then like they, like Kubrick made him become an actor. But like they they put him through really. They they did their own drills with him, where he had to learn all of his lines while they threw shit at him to make sure that <laughs> he could actually act rather than just be a guy who knows how to yell at at uh, soldiers.
1: All right,
0: Holy but shit. Uh, like. This is the viewing that it finally fully clicked with me. Uh, I, I think this movie is a fucking masterpiece. I, I it's, it's one that just finally totally clicked into place for me, this watch.
2: Yeah.
1: How is the second half compared to the first? Because I don't think anyone, I ever hear anyone talk about it.
0: It's usually, th- that's sort of usually the thing, is everybody says the first part is way better than the second, but I would say that they're equally good. And I think <laughs> the second part is essential because it's, Showing the effects of the first part, it's showing how the dehumanization process of uh, the boot camp and uh, all of the stuff. Like you know, obviously in the first part you have D'Onofrio as yeah. Sar- Private Pile, yeah, who,
1: Gomer Pile or yeah, whatever his real name is supposed to be,
0: Leonard. Uh, but he he he's this soft, kind of chubby guy who just can't quite do it and there's no one who's willing to help him until uh joker sort of is sent to help him for a little while and he starts to grow but then you know they he's betrayed you know they do the, the blanket party sequence which is mm. uh still just so chilling and then you know he he's kind of broken by that and there's this there's this scene where uh Erme is yelling about how lee harvey oswald and charles whitman are great products of the marines because they're such good killers and stuff (laughs) and you you see Pyle reacting to it and it it's where his brain twists and it's where he clearly decides to kill hartman and himself Mm -hmm. and that's sort of like the end sequence that ends the first part and then yeah the second part is in vietnam and it's just like showing how authority like all people in these layers of authority are basically incompetent and are do not know what they're doing and it's just all of these people uh, all of these very young men like just out of childhood who have gone through this crazy dehumanization process and now are just sent to kill people around the world and yeah it's it's just an intense movie it's so beautifully shot like some most incredible shots of kubrick's whole career which is saying something Alright uh, Next up is Double Target This is a much less good Vietnam
1: movie <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's not as good as Full Metal Jacket <laughs> yeah. Is it better than Apocalypse Now
0: mm, So it's The same year as Full Metal Jacket 1987 okay. it's, a, it's more of a Rambo Exploitation let's say oh. This is Those a
1: sensitive.
0: <laughs> it's a Bruno Matai movie who you may recall from Endgame. Oh yeah, uh, okay. I don't remember what else. It's written by Claudio Fragasso, who did Troll Two, mm, right? Director of Troll Two, and it's one of you know it's one of their collaborations. They did lots of movies together. It's them doing a Vietnam movie. <laughs> cool. There's lots of exploding huts, lots of squibs. Uh, there's uh, some pretty wild helicopter stunts. But it's a little too long. My favorite part is definitely Donald Pleasance, who I think had, like, Montezuma's revenge or something. He is so sick the whole movie. You can see him just visibly ill.
1: Oh, poor... I love Donald
0: Pleasance. (laughs) Me too. Next up is Silver Bullet, which we have also covered. Oh, yes. God, I love this movie. Like, this is one that... it's, It's another thing where I... Having talked about it like a year or so ago, and coming back to it now and having all of it in mind, I loved it so much more this time. Oh, right on! All of the performances. Everett McGill is so funny as the werewolf preacher.
1: Has been torn (laughs) apart.
0: (laughs) That guy is incredible. Kent Broadhurst. Every single moment he has in the movie is so funny. Like, just he is introduced coming into the middle of a fight, and he's like. Has anyone seen my boy, Brady? <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's already weird. And then it cuts instantly to uh, Terry O'Quinn with the, the bloody uh, kite that we last saw Brody flying right. and like praying, shell shocked. And then you get to see the dad finding the body in the gazebo that's just like torn to bits. And he does that incredible. Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Insane uh, Great, I love it, it's so much fun Next up is Cop Game This is another Vietnam movie By Bruno Matai and Claudio Fragasso Oh no <laughs> This one's set in the Dying days of the war And the the thing is There's this group of Rogue American soldiers Who are assassinating A bunch of other American soldiers who know about a massacre. Right. And they want to keep the massacre from getting out. I don't know. I mean, it it doesn't seem like they would have been trying to keep these massacres under wraps because they didn't in reality. And it just, I, yeah. I don't know, but that's what they're doing. Uh, It's, it, it doesn't really matter. It's mostly just a whole bunch of gunfights, which are crazy. Uh, There's, it had no budget. Okay. So there's, <laughs> There is a car chase scene, and I've never seen this before. They use toy cars. <laughs> 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 they, they just cut to reaction shots of people in, like, seats. So they're supposed to be in, like, a car. So it's, like, through a windshield. <laughs> and then it just has a toy cars driving around a train set. Oh, I laughed so hard. I've never seen that before. <laughs> It cracked me up. <laughs> oh my god! And last up, we have the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies, <laughs> which I've already watched once in October, but I, or I watched it in September and I decided to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's total nonsense. I love it. <laughs> it's uh uh Ray Dennis Steckler. It's it's his best-known piece. Uh, totally incoherent it's he he goes to a carnival uh the pike at long beach which no longer exists with his girlfriend and his roommate and then he gets hypnotized and becomes the great cornholio as a slasher (laughs) as i mentioned in september i believe he puts on a blue hoodie and stabs people (laughs) I need TV for my bungalow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that. Uh it's totally bonkers cuz like a a solid half of the movie is just stage musical sequences that have nothing to do with anything that's going on. Right. Uh, weird movie, very psychedelic. All right, so those are our 26 or so choices. <laughs> what do you Crap. think? Of-
1: um I'm thinking you ca- you really sold me on Dead Zone
0: dead zone is a great movie it's a very good one, and yay we we, we have been getting into some cronenberg
1: yes we have yeah. um yeah cool
0: all right so dead zone for our second pick and uh obviously we're back to the main stacks as you'll see things have changed quite a bit from where we left them i'm A lot of stuff got shuffled over the month of October, obviously. Uh, Some stuff is submerged and will return, but uh, we've got a whole lot of new stuff on there. We're not going to go through all of it, but uh, some quick pointers. Uh, We've got The Iceman Cometh, which is some crazy early 90s Hong Kong movie about a ghost warrior trying to Who's crossed over into the human world to go after a fox spirit?
1: oh, like um <laughs> like Liza the fox fairy,
0: yeah, although he's like a demon, I guess, and he uh he's taken into a village, and then the village is being attacked by the spirit or something. I don't know, it sounds really crazy. Oh, we've got lost okay. Highway, David Lynch's lost highway, that's
1: kind of oh yes, uh, I've been meaning to watch that one.
0: It's pretty cool. That's the one with Robert Blake as this creepy guy who looks like a vampire and who uh, th- there's it, it's the part that always sticks in my head from the movie from the first time I saw it in the 90s where uh, he runs into him at a party party and he's really creepy looking. It's like, don't I know you? Oh, yes, I know. I saw you at your house. In fact, I'm there right now. And he picks up a phone and says, call me and so uh our guy i think it's bill paxton he dials the phone and on the other end the guy picks up at his house he says i told you and then both of them like they're he's staring into his eyes right there they just start (laughs) laughing on both ends of the phone incredible (laughs) (laughs) right on Uh, We've got The Brain from Planet Eris in here, which is about an evil brain from space that takes over an atomic scientist, and then a good brain from space that takes over the scientist's dog to try to (laughs) stop it. (laughs) Uh, We've got The Milky Way, which is another uh, Bunuel, and we covered Exterminating Angel a little while back. Oh, okay, cool. This is one of his about uh, pilgrims. Uh, two, two Drifters on a Holy Pilgrimage, uh, just in, encountering lots of weird Christian iconography in the Bunwellian sort of way. Uh, and also Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, made in right. 2019. Pretty good. Pretty good. Cool. So what um, do you figure for our first return to the stacks after October? Well,
1: well, well, well. I've been meaning to watch Lost Highway, so let's do that before I forget to watch it again, and it just kind of disappears from my mind again.
0: All right, cool. I It's definitely one I was going to get to relatively quick, because I love this movie. Uh, this is a new Criterion release, of it finally came out. Cool. Stoked. Uh, all right. So next week, we got uh, Lost Highway and The Dead Zone. Yeah. Kind of sticking with our horror theme, I dig it
1: <laughs> Well, I, I do feel like we kind of lost a week of horror uh, We kind of since... did, yeah Sort of yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have gone up in
0: October, but Well, we would have been recording November 1st So we it's it sort of arguable, but it does feel like we want to have one uh, extra horror week Because ah, the spooky you, you, stacks roll on
1: You don't have to let them go
0: Hell no, I watch horror year round. I mostly watched horror <laughs> after the end of uh, Halloween, as you can see. Most of the yeah. picks after were, other than those Bond ones and Full Metal Jacket.
1: I think we probably covered more horror on here than anything else.
0: It's such a fun genre. It's, 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 it's one of those genres that has so many themes and is so much fun to just talk about and examine and yeah, pick apart. For sure. All right. Well, then, next week we got Lost Highway and the Dead Zone. Do you have any last thoughts this week? Uh, no, I think. Close I'm good. up. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, sorry for the week we missed. Uh, <laughs>
1: feeling, I'm feeling a lot better though. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think so for the most part. Yeah, I, I will. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm uh, not going to have any further illness here. Oh, but God, I guess I we'll hope see. Not. It's been a long tiring week and i don't like being quarantined
1: <laughs> yeah yeah don't, don't let your guard down This shit's no
2: joke
0: that sucks all right well uh thanks everyone so much for listening and
2: shamon.